and welcome to episode 282 of the Spitballing Pod. I'm Luke Byron, joined as always by Tom Kennett. No Alex Jones today, he is off gallivanting. He could be anywhere, to be honest. Uh, Jack can confirm, did make himself available, but uh, we went through the topics and uh, he decided to sit out this week. So uh, no hard feelings there. Hopefully he does still choose to listen. Anyway... We've got news of the week this week. We'll go through the Premier League results, the kind of talking points of the weekend. We had Amanda Serrano against Katie Taylor this weekend. We've had the entire first round of the NBA playoffs now. And we also have UFC 273, I believe it is, this weekend. So we'll get into that too and uh, see how that goes. Uh, Tika, I did text you last night and said it's a particularly wild week. Yeah, I was excited once I heard you say this. (laughs) So um, I'll take you through it now. First of all, a headline that you'll absolutely have seen. So uh, British lawmaker Neil Parrish is to resign after watching porn in the House of Commons. Um, I don't know if you've seen his defence where he claims he was looking for a class dominator tractor (laughs) and so by his accord you can see how the two things could cross over six degrees rule you're never far away from something pornographic so I mean if we eliminate his excuse I don't know if he's like just He'd would it check his phone and would it have been okay if he was just taking over a tractor? Would we have gone well? Listen, <laughs> yeah. that's yeah, what, I've, yeah, that's what does mean, it for him. I mean, well, even even in in that circumstance, it's like you're, you're elected to be in one of the most important jobs in the country, <laughs> and your defence is, I wasn't not paying attention because of that. I was not paying attention because I was looking at a tractor. <laughs> I do look. The country is insane enough and politically charged enough that someone will try and mount a defence for someone masturbating at work. Yeah. <laughs> we'll try and work out how we can do this. Well, yeah, because I've seen, and um, I mean, fortunately, I, I'm not in that headspace to understand what he's going through, but I've seen Terry Crews speaking about his porn addiction this week, and he claimed he was waking up at like 10am, and he would just sit and watch porn till like 11 o'clock at night. My God. And it's like, I mean, is it the storyline you're investing yeah. in? Yeah. Even, even then, you get bored with the storylines eventually. Because yeah. there's not that much depth to the plot. Eventually, you're running out for 12 hours. Someone's going, what's the matter? i fed up with this stepsister shit. <laughs> I'm just thinking, how many families are incestuous around here? Even in the case of this MP, that's one where I feel like, you're only making it worse no matter what your defence is. You kind of just have to go, you got me. Yeah, I think it's, you got me probably instant resignation, as you were. Is there any way you can wriggle out of that? No. No. I was I was trying to think if there's anything you can do, and I would think usually, I mean, maybe if you're a bit younger, you go down the kind of lad angle. Like, you know, look, we all will be boys. Yeah. Now, who knows maybe that could have saved him maybe enough people would have got on board and gone you know what yeah effectively from what we've seen lately just keep your head down for a fortnight and, and it'll go away someone else will do something pretty soon probably the PM yeah so 
or just go to Dominic Cummings' route and be like, look, you may have caught me for this, but wait till you hear what I've got to tell you about everything else. I didn't think you were going to say he should go to Cummings' route. Yeah. I didn't. <laughs> no, no, probably. Uh, and maybe that's why he hasn't. <laughs> that's the sole reason he's not gone down that route. <laughs> he, he kept going that route. That was the issue. I mean, I, I love the idea of him, say it was a complete accident. <laughs> An accident. <laughs> like, say he's had it loaded up on his phone. He's he's gone to say the best case scenario when you look at when you think about this story, he's gone to check the time on his phone or he's gone to check a text. He's already had it loaded up from oh, the more I don't know what time this was the morning before the night before. Yep, and it just so happens to be on there. He's definitely scrambled that way. I hope nobody saw me. Like hypothetically, one of our friends would have done on their <laughs> lunch break at work, for example. Hypothetically. And then he's got home and he just flicks on the news and oh, for fuck's sake. Or <laughs> <laughs> well, the way these things probably go, he's probably got a phone call like, look, there's going to be a story in the, in the mail later today. Okay, what is it? Oh, we just decided not to feed some kids again. No, I'm afraid it's, it's, it's worse than that, Neil. <laughs> You know, Do you remember what you were looking at on your phone? <laughs> it's, like, well, it's only for it's only for it's only for thirty seconds. Yeah, usually the duration that doesn't count as part of the story, Neil. Oh, it's not about the tractors, is it? Come on, <laughs> you've got to understand that. Yeah, that just doesn't make for as good of an article. So you can see the reason they're running the story. <laughs> okay, how can we get out of this quick? And then in that time, his best defense has been, "I was looking for tractors." Yeah, that's that's a tough one. I mean, we're now. It, it, so he might have been better off going, these woke liberals not wanting us to masturbate at work. And you know what? You might have got enough people just on board by saying some key words like that. Well, I'm going to take the risk now. I'm going to Google class dominator tractor. <laughs> I can tell you now, well, for a start, the main thing is Neil Parrish comes up as the third yeah, search. But the rest of it, Monday, Every, everything is combine harvesters. <laughs> so there's literally, and even if if I take tractor, farm out, girl needs to be punished. What's that? Oh, well, I mean, look, I've taken tractor out, so I've literally just searched class dominator, <laughs> and there is still nothing. So I don't know if he was like, like I was, I was on page sixty-seven, <laughs> and you can't understand. Eventually, this did pop up. Um. All right, two to go on trial for selling dog meat to taco shops. Oh, Jesus. Now, I think the issue there is where they've got the dog meat from. So if we can put that to one side and go back... Seems quite significant. Well, if we go back to when there was the horse horse meat scandal Mm -hmm. and it was like all these Tesco products and all these ready meal products, did did that get you quite agitated or were you kind of like... I mean, I understand it probably wasn't the best cut of meat when I was having this anyway. It tasted all right. <laughs> yeah, I think everyone just kind of went with, didn't they? Either that, listen, it's already happened, so I kind of think, or, uh, no, it didn't happen to me. They go with that, or I wouldn't have bought that or something, which... Well, I remember when I was working in a, a small supermarket back then, someone buying one of these ready meals, and there was someone behind them in the queue, and they were doing a, ooh, risky buying them, that's a horse lasagna, that is. And he was like, I eat cow. I eat pig. <laughs> the horse doesn't bother me. 
<laughs> and the person, oh, all right, fair enough. <laughs> I see, I see where you're coming from. But then usually, popular cuisine in some countries. Usually, when that kind of defence came up, the next thing that would be said was, "Or oh, would you eat a dog?" Mm. And usually, the answer was no, or you're too far in at that stage. Yeah, and right. so you're like, oh, I mean, I can't, if I'm saying I'm going to eat the rest, why would I say that I'm not going to eat this? So. I think I'd be very specific on the type of breed I would eat. <laughs> a terrier is just not doing the job. I feel like I've referenced this a lot lately, but it just does come back to that Asperger's episode of South Park for me, where <laughs> they're all saying it's the best cheeseburgers they've ever had. And it's because Cartman's been putting him down his boxer shorts. <laughs> Um, okay, a 26-year-old man volunteered to drink a dysentery smoothie that would give him life-threatening diarrhea to help scientists make a vaccine. He says, it's the most brutally sick I have ever been. Gotta say, not sure what he was expecting. <laughs> what does he get in return for this? I don't, I'm assuming, other than I'm assuming some kind of payment. There's gotta but, be a huge payout. But I hope he was, you know, like, I don't know. Dying anyway or something. Well, that would seem the most sense. The thing with this is, um, usually when you see a headline like this, and most people probably haven't, but the amount we've been doing news in a week now for about two years, um, <laughs> this would usually be that a guy was told he was drinking a chocolate smoothie and then next thing he knew, he had life-threatening diarrhoea. Yeah. This seems like he had everything laid out to him and still, he decided. Look, they could have told him much it. more clearly. Yeah. Um. So I, I mean, as soon as you put life threatening into it, I do feel that changes, like the amount of money. I think, say if someone said to me, "I have a dysentery smoothie here," I think, <laughs> you know what? I'm gonna have to check the ingredients on that. I'm not sure. That's well, for yeah, me. Yeah, I mean, even if, I mean, probably worse if I say it to you. If a scientist said to you, "You go to the doctors next time," and they're like, "TK." You're the healthiest young man I've ever seen in my life. We're doing some research here. Now, I need you to drink this and it's going to give you the worst <laughs> diarrhea you've ever had in your life. Name your price. But they don't use the word life running at that no, point. No, They just say it's the worst yeah. diarrhea you're going to have yeah. in your life. So I guess in thinking that, you probably think, okay, man, bad week. <laughs> yeah yeah I mean on that basis you'd probably I don't know I was about to say like a hundred grand but you'd probably get I could probably get cheaper than that really yeah yeah. because you just think, like you said you're just thinking I'll just have a rough week I've had a rough week before for you know yeah, nothing I, I mean I think the worst of that was about two three days and that was not last Christmas to Christmas before which I'm convinced was from a dodgy toasted sandwich um, <laughs> it, was, it was that or I blamed the pizza and I've had the pizza since so Thankfully, I couldn't pin you it on did, that. You had the pizza just to test. Yeah, give it exactly. a fair test just to make sure. Um, and that that was rough enough, and that wasn't life threatening. <laughs> and I mean, that probably wasn't the worst I've ever had. It was probably just a, a longer duration than what you what you would like to have. In this case, I don't know what price I'm naming, but as you said, it, once the numbers were put in front of you, different so story. Say you keep having to say no, and they keep bumping it up and bumping it up. You probably don't get to a hundred thousand. No, no, that's it. So I mean, Alex won't wear a wetsuit for the pot. I mean, I don't know how many numbers we have to put on. Yeah, he's going into billiards, isn't he? All he has to do this in his wetsuit, and we test out the wetsuit once you, and for all. You have to stay in the wetsuit the <laughs> entire time, though. 
Uh, what else have we got this week? I did say it was one of those weeks. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Accused asked to explain how his wild day started with rough sex and ended with explosion in car. <laughs> now, as far as I could see, the judge literally gave him that sentence. Explain how we started here and we ended here. Very much a film producer, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah. So you're wondering how I ended up here. Um, I saw it was in London, but it was in a place in America called oh, right. London, okay. so a bit further from home. Um, I don't know how you explain that, because I'd imagine when the fact that it's got to court, you're at a stage where you can't be gloating too much, but... Sounds like a great day. Say, <laughs> Pretty wild. Look, Judge, give me what you want. I don't want to say too much before my book comes out. <laughs> The very mundane version of this is this is just what happened in Terry Crews' poor watching day. <laughs> That's just the plot. Yeah. It took from Russell's outlet to an explosion at the end of the day. I hate that stage when um, famous people do like a publicity tour for a book they're releasing and then spend the whole publicity tour. I mean, I can't say too much. It's, it's in the book. And by the... But it goes one or two, isn't it? They don't tell you anything because they protect the book. Or you do end up basically leaking anything interesting That's from the, the book. That's the Pennant. Yeah. It's like we know... You've got a handful of stories, Jermaine. You've not got much else going for you, and we know them all now. Yeah, yeah. We you play Monopoly. We <laughs> we get we get it. <laughs> Here we go, on Jeremy Kyle. <laughs> yeah, and then there's the collective <gasps> when he said about he just took play Monopoly. Like, that was the most shocking thing they'd ever heard on that yeah. show. I mean, I've always said if if you were in the audience for Jeremy Kyle, and it was the worst is the one where it's like unwell kids, and you're having to sit there and it's like oh, oh this God. isn't what I came here for no, no the other one the worst one would be if it's celebrity and you just must be livid I'd be saying can I come back tomorrow yeah because this definitely isn't what I wanted to be ogling at like Kel Brook was in the audience once that yeah that's insane <laughs> by the way just randomly sat well that's quite I quite like the idea of that's how famous people spend their day that would be yeah, yeah. No, that would be phenomenal what a real uh they didn't do them very often, but they were fantastic. If they got like uh, family on because someone has stolen something, yeah. I mean, they got like the entire family on because someone has sold like the grandmother's ring, and yeah. there's about twenty of them on there. And eventually, like, are well, they all passed lie detector other than you? And he's like, "Well, it wasn't me." He's like, "Come on, <laughs> just stop." Yeah, I, was, I used to, I used to sit and watch that while I have my uh, tea in in the evening. And I mean, the circumstances we now know probably explain why it was locked off the TV. Um, but I, I do miss it. <laughs> when I would tune in and it was like, uh, who pooed over my garden shed? <laughs> and someone's having to come on there. Like, it wasn't me, I promise. I've said it before. Their only issue was that they made out that they were trying to fix problems. If they just took the Springer approach and just said, look, we're not really trying to fix anything here. We're just getting these like, on telly. Yeah, some some of the um, like accounts of what people say they went through on there like the one says he went on there and they were giving him the whole spiel before, like we understand where you're coming from. And then you get there and they're in what is a chain hotel, but they just take out, they take your phone, they take the TVs out of the room and they just give you drink to just amp you up. Oh my and God. So from the night before you're all just getting riled up and riled up. And then half of them that you see, they get on stage and they've been told that Jeremy understands where you're coming from and he wants to help you set, set the, set the case. And they get on, he's like, you are the most disgusting <laughs> bloke. But one of them, and this is one of the ones who was on that documentary, I saw a clip on TikTok, actually. And he said, 
he was labelled the most hated guest ever when he went on the first time because he said, I was genuinely innocent and he's screaming at me. And you just get to the point where you're so riled up already that you start biting back. And he said, then they called him back and we're like, look, I understand you're not happy with the way you were portrayed. (laughs) We want to give you the opportunity to set the record straight. And he said he came on and before he got a chance to say anything, Jeremy Carl's going, oh, I'll be honest with you. I didn't want you back here. I think you're the most vile bloke. And he's like, how do you keep your head after that? And he's like, I just made it twice as bad. He said, you, then you, because all the people that are going to be walking around the street at like 11 o'clock in the afternoon are all the type that watch Jeremy Coyle. So he's like, you're just stuck. It's like it's a nightmare. And he's like, and I probably didn't have it as bad as some others. And it took someone killing themselves, didn't it? Yeah. I and I think they put in there like suicide note or something mm-hmm. that, Blame Jeremy Kyle, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very rough. When I found out that Jerry Springer, like a lot of it was staged, which makes perfect sense yeah. now, I was so gutted by that. Very WWE, isn't yeah. it? It's sort of, oh God, what do you mean it wasn't actually real? Yeah, I still do occasionally end up down the wormhole of like best Jerry Springer moments. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Um, Fight to say 3am kebabs after council say they're not in the public interest. Beg to differ. They're very much in the public interest. Have you ever interest. been a kebab after a night out? God, uh, for me, it's all about like ease of eating at that stage. Like, yeah, don't, true. Like a burger is far easier to tuck away. It's just something like... Chips or something yeah, like that. Even Easy cheesy chips. I know you're that. not a cheese guy, but you can't go too far wrong with that. Like the state's of even at the point when you are that inebriated, <laughs> seeing someone who's worse off than you eating a kebab is so, so grim. It's a tough watch, isn't it? It does seem to soak it up better than anything else, though. I will acknowledge. It does. I don't know the science behind that, but it but does. But I would also attest that I'm not sure there's a worse taste in the morning than the kebab. Like, I think if you were to level off, like, all of the post-town food, I think the kebab gives the worst taste in the morning. So is it the taste in your mouth? Yeah. You're not going back and having the next... Oh, uh, no. To no. have it the next morning, right? No. Just checking. No, I think that's the worst kind of, like, morning morning yeah. taste. Yeah, you might be right. Because usually you're having, what, like, chilli sauce and garlic mayo. <laughs> yeah, Christ. You, your stomach's probably thinking, what are you doing to me? Yeah. Um... Hartlepool United midfielder out after cotton bud stuck in his ear. Okay. See this this week where they, I think the club put it on their like injury news, like they didn't even spare his blushes. Yeah, the manager it, was clearly like, "I'm that irritated with you. Everyone is going to know why you're out." We're going to find out. <laughs> I mean, how does that? How deep are you going in? Yeah, that's could have been a lot worse. Really. It could be yeah. broken your fucking brain if you're not deep. And there's a definite moment where I'm assuming it's just like the end breaks off or something. Must be, yeah. Wait, oh, for God's I I hope that wasn't what I thought I just felt. Oh, was that stuck in my ear, John? <laughs> and you just start shaking your head a bit, just to see if it'll work in. Obviously not. Um, Detroit fan fuming after accidentally buying tickets to Red Hot Chili Peppers cover band, the Red Not Chili Peppers. <laughs> now, I'm hoping there's a diff- decent price difference here. Yeah. What yeah. did he think? He think he was getting an absolute bargain. The prospects of cover bands have always baffled me. Yeah. Like, maybe it's more part of a night. Like, I couldn't imagine 
going out knowing I'm going out to see a cover Especially band and getting that. like a buzz mm. getting like a buzz off it but I suppose a lot of the cover bands you see are because they're no longer able to, to perform the yeah, Red Hot Chili Peppers having a cover band is an odd one yeah that feels a bit too sort of recent doesn't it yeah I don't know some covers band are really good but I, I, I do know what you mean it's a bit weird there must just be a point where you realise I'm not making this on my own and someone's got, you know, if I squint at you a bit, you look a bit like Elvis. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it feels quite depressing, that doesn't it? Yeah, there's one of those, um, what it was like, moaning of life or whatever the Carl Pilkerton ones, where you would see the people that do just go around as lookalikes, and I think that's worse than like being a oh yeah a cover person because that's like you vaguely resemble someone, and the actual lookalikes just aren't the people that are being lookalikes. <laughs> And also, I always think, what what are you actually supposed to do? Like, you know, you used to have a lot of, like, uh, like David Beckham lookalikes. I said, just stick an English shirt on and walk around. Like, but what are you actually doing? You, you can't, you obviously, you're not particularly good at football. I don't know, you're probably not that funny or anything. So what, what actually is your gig? What, Remember when people were shocked when they, like, asked Jamie Vardy in an interview, like, why have you blocked Lee Chappie? And he's like, why would I not? Like, what? why Why am I supposed to take this as, like, a positive? <laughs> And from what I've seen of that bloke, I probably wouldn't want to be mates with him either. And from what I've seen of Jamie Vardy, he probably doesn't suffer fools. Uh, like it could be a clash though, yeah, for sure. Like, because his entire shtick was, I spike my air up and I'll take a picture with some WKDs because we're assuming that's what Jamie Vardy drinks. Yeah. <laughs> and he had like a good couple of months after Leicester won the league. And then after that, it's like, what are you paying him 20 quid to walk around your party and pose with people? They say, you Jamie, Vard-? no, I'm a lookalike. All right, we'll have a picture anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't imagine posting a picture, look at this Jamie Vardy lookalike I've just met. With all due respect to Jamie Vardy, it feels very, um, I don't know, low budget is unfair, but it's not that you've got someone who, as you said, happened to like Elvis or something. Just, no. Yeah. Uh, Pet squirrel goes nuts on burglar. <laughs> Who has a pet squirrel is probably yeah. a good place to start. Yeah, pet squirrel. Um, and finally, the most wild uh, part of this week. Now, I don't know if you've seen this on Twitter this week. And if you have, then I feel for you because I wish I hadn't seen it. So the theory about uh, these kind of Instagram models that go to Dubai has taken on where some people feel they've been somewhat vindicated. Now, have you seen this this no, week? No, no, Okay, so if I tell you that um, Dubai Porta Potty has been trending this week... Oh, oh, no. And it is essentially these influencers are flown out, they're paid extortionate amounts of money, and yeah, they literally sit with, like, their head in a hole while rich blokes shit on them. Oh my God. And there's an account on Twitter and TikTok that is essentially exposing these girls that have gone out there (laughs) with a screenshot of the text messages of them arranging it and a screenshot of them in the desert or whatever. (laughs) Um, Now, there is a video and we don't know who it is, but it is one of the most revolting things. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I don't know how that wouldn't be, so I'm saying yeah. as if that would be a shock. But 
there's a girl who did a Twitter thread after this happened. Now, she was telling the story that her friend definitely told her quite vividly of everything that's gone on. And she says she she had like all expenses trip paid. We're talking closer to like the hundred thousands. Now one of them claims they would pay three point five mil um, to go out there, but it's her account was she got to this kind of mansion or whatever. There's a load of rich business guys there. There's a load of good looking young women there, and she said at first she thought a lot of these uh, girls who look quite nervous um, were there because it was their first time when obviously it was quite the opposite. Oh, Lord. <laughs> and she said the reason, the way her friend realised something was up was that there was a lot of alcohol at this party. Only the girls were drinking it and all of the guys just seemed to be drinking coffee. <laughs> Oh, oh my god and then yeah they're called upstairs with whoever has arranged for them to go out there that is one of the weirdest um, I just don't know what anyone's getting from this I mean the girls are getting a load of cash and I, yeah. I guess it's like it's almost like a squid games like rich people thing yeah like that's is. like because it's I mean we've spoken on here before about stage fright <laughs> I can't imagine so, someone like underneath like come on Let's get this over with. <laughs> oh, but the one of the screenshots, and this girl's saying uh, there can't be as many people as last time. I got quite sick, and then the guy's saying, "Well, it's going to be about three point five, so there'll probably be a few more of us." Oh God, how many people are shitting on this girl? I mean, part of me wants to show you the video while we're while we're on here. <laughs> oh, sorry. Let me see. Let me see if I can see it. Um, I mean, I don't really want to search this again because <laughs> I saw it like unawares, and then I thought, okay, I'm not gonna put this in the group. You chat. stumbled upon it. That's unfortunate. Well, I, I, okay, I, it just so happens that I have. It's the third thing. Oh, it just so happens you've got it ready, available. Well, whatever you think you're ready for, can I tell you that you're not? Yeah, I, I I'm very tense. Oh my god. <laughs> Oh, Jesus! What is that? I mean, we're 10 seconds into a 1 minute 28. No! There isn't enough money in the world, I don't think. How much coffee did he drink? I mean, I don't know if there's anything like bad about us documenting. I feel traumatized. I don't know if there's anything bad that, about us documenting that we've just seen this, but it is a trending video on Twitter. I don't know if we're going to be able to do the rest of the part. I feel a bit ill. If you type in "du" into the Twitter search bar, Dubai Porta Potty is the number one suggestion. I mean, that is a rich person's shit though, because it looked gold. It looked like he was shit out of gold. <laughs> I when the, a lot of the tweets you'll see are people saying like that's worse than two girls one cup like that that's worse. I, it's certainly in the it's certainly in the conversation <laughs> that was and horrifying. Did you ever think anything would be put in the conversation? No, that's it, isn't it? Yeah. <sighs> I mean, I did save that till last. That is the news of the week. Um, 
I guess with the two girls one cup thing as well, though, it was, like, there was seemingly no reward for what they were doing. <laughs> they were seemingly doing this of their own volition. Well, this was that was the early um, influencers, like when we'll do anything, we'll do anything to get famous. <laughs> you know, like someone will do like a, a kind of mundane video, but like, oh look how crazy I am! These girls just did that. I said, look how crazy I am, and all the friends are just looking at me. Like, well, you, you are sick. You see the equivalent of like um, like Kim Kardashian now. She's like, yeah, I did that in my past. Now I'm not saying that her having sex on camera was the equivalent of eating shit and spewing it onto each other. But nope. she does the like, look, that was in my past. <laughs> I'm moving on from that now. I don't even want it referenced. So for them, once they've kind of got their fame, it's that's in my past. Like, yeah. Don't refer to me as one of the two girls anymore. Like, call me Rebecca. Yeah. Everyone keeps bringing this up. What they don't talk about is my charity work. <laughs> I mean, if we just go completely back around, if Neil Parrish wants us to forget about what he's done there, Tells us he was the bloke in that video. <laughs> we'll go straight back around. Probably should have started with Sunday's fixtures here, because if I could have gone from that to say, speaking of shit, we'll get on to Spurs. It would have been perfect, yeah. But yeah. starting with Liverpool doesn't really have the same <laughs> doesn't really have the same effect. Well so Liverpool for the Royale, that was fairly shit. There yeah, there's a smooth one. Yeah, I, I as I said, the most probably the most dull game I've seen in the last ten years. I said, I think the Everton game is actually worse, but yeah, I, I wouldn't... It was, it was attack versus defence both games, and it was the issue. Yeah, and considering it was a Champions League semi-final, there felt more at stake in the Liverpool-Everton game. Yeah, you're probably right, actually. Um, so, we'll, yeah, we'll start with Newcastle-Liverpool. Don't know how much I'm going to have to take out of that intro, but uh, we may just roll with it. Um, <laughs> so, Liverpool picked up a tense 1-0 win over Newcastle at, I guess, what was a pumping St. James's Park for a Saturday morning. Yeah, I agree. Um, Naby Keita proving to be the difference. I mean, you look at the stats and the first question would be, how was it only 1-0? Mm. But Liverpool were kind of playing with their food a bit, particularly in the first half. Yeah, they were definitely guilty of it, weren't they? Um, around the time of the Keita goal, then you did think, right, we could start running a couple in here. And then obviously once it, it doesn't, the, the tension does kick in. But we didn't create that many like clear-cut chances, I didn't think either. So, No, I thought um, the difference in the first half and the second half was the first half you looked almost desperate to um, get the breakthrough. Mm-hmm. And then the second half there was almost a realisation like this isn't going to be one of those days. So we're going to just make sure we're tight. And then the fact that all of the match reports reference like a golden Bruno chance at the end of the game, which wasn't that golden. I was going to say, it didn't, it didn't feel like, oh, that's a horrible like, no, miss. Or it was just a chance. Yeah. Um, I mean, the best chance of the game was five minutes after Cater scored where Almiron thinks he's put them ahead where Bruno's just taken too long to release the pass because yeah. I don't... Usually I would blame the runner, but in this case... Like, I don't think he could have held his run any no. longer. Um, yeah. And it's he's a Bruno's a victim of his own ability there where you expect that I don't need to be making it blatantly like jumping up and down like you you'll see the pass play yeah. me in. Um, I was going to ask you because looking at the changes that were made so Trent's rested for Gomez Fabinho and Thiago are dropped Milner starts Salah's benched. Do you think this was more about getting minutes in the legs of the guys that came in or taking minutes off the legs of the guys that came out. Yeah, I mean, 
obviously the perfect hybrid of both. Pro- probably more about resting the ones he took out. I don't think he's got much concern about getting minutes in for, like, Milner, for example, I think. No, I wasn't sure if when you look at someone like Cater, is it's a case of, like, at some point we are going to need you. And when you look at some of the guys that came in for Arsenal, and we're very different, but there was an argument of... Well, if these guys had played more, maybe, then they wouldn't be so cold. And we have since seen that warming up Nuno Tavares doesn't make too much of a difference. <laughs> but that was an argument said after the Palace game. It was like, okay, well, if, if Eddie had come in sooner, if El Nenny had come in sooner, if mm. then... So I don't know if it was a case of, we've got all these games, we're going to need to use everyone at some point. I don't really want to be chucking everyone in. Probably is a balance to be struck with particularly with the likes of Cater, for example, his injury record is patchy. You've probably got to get it right. It's been all right the last kind of... Oh, I guess I'll say the last half a season, which isn't a great... No, he's he's probably in the best run he's been on for us, I'd say. Um, which is odd, because he's obviously not a, a starter that often. No, but when so you see him in. now, it, at least, like, there was times in the last couple of years where it was like, I'm not really seeing what it yeah. was that made them go out and pay this money for you. Yeah, and agreed. then you see that, and he is one of those freakish players who I think just doesn't feel pressure. Because considering the implications of that game, considering the fact that he probably doesn't expect to be in that position, the composure to go around the keeper and put it in. And he had that in games against, what was it, Atletico Madrid in the Champions League earlier this season, where he just looked like a guy who every game's the same. Like this Newcastle game, it's the same as you, you playing... Villa at home at and the start probably, of the season. It's probably a decent argument. We don't have anyone else in midfield who could score that type of goal, drift past people in the way that he did, uh, and have the composure to to finish it like that. I thought was uh, yeah, it's great. And that's from someone who's probably been one of the more critical Liverpool fans on Cater as well. The the thing with the rotation as well, by the way, that it looks like an absolute brilliant play when it comes off. Obviously, if we end up drawing that nil nil, you're going to go. What the hell is Klopp doing? If anything, sounds very disrespectful. But you'd rotate in the week against Villarreal yeah, over the over this game. For me, if it was a big game like this, you do need to rest people. I would say, okay, we'll look at the fixture list, and one of these games, I'm going to rest Trent. One of these games, I'm going to rest Fabinho. Taking out Trent, yeah. Fabinho, and Salah, who, if you take Van Dijk out of the equation, you'd probably have one, two, and three in terms of your most important players. Yeah, probably true. I don't know if you were looking at Newcastle and seeing that they don't score many goals. And so you could look at your defensive capabilities where it's one of those stats where I don't know how much it means because I've not seen it previously. But I've seen that you've now conceded more offside goals this season than you have conceded actual goals that count. It's a pretty fun Which says a lot about... It was was kind of backing up the high line. Yeah, Um, yeah, yeah. And I guess... Newcastle's front line as it is if they're not playing St Maximin down the middle where I do think you can get lost yeah. um, your high line against them and the team they played was pretty much like you couldn't have been playing a better team to do it yeah it's true that's where you probably as you touched on there with Bruno of his quality they would have probably wanted something else from him he's got to get the pass right at some point and, yeah. and all it takes is, is the one I did think um I've been saying for a little while that he needs to rest Thiago just because he's playing unbelievably. Yeah, yeah. You don't really want him to go down injured, which history tells you he will do with this <laughs> yeah. number of games. I think he played, was it three games in a week last week? So, um, 
yeah, you, you'd probably get him out of the fire yeah, in any chance you can. There's quite a lot of your players where on um, Football Manager, even if your scout hadn't necessarily made a big deal of it the first time around, where you go to sign him and it says, like, uh, the doctor does point out that this player can be fairly prone to injury. <laughs> I imagine like that must have been for four or five of these Liverpool players yeah. as, as you were getting them over the line and Klopp's gone, oh, well, yeah, we'll do we'll it take anyway. take a chance. And Fekir is just seeing these like, what the fuck? Why didn't you do this with me? <laughs> what have I done? Um, whose injury record has been better than, say, Cato's and Thiago's since he didn't They've, sign for Liverpool as well. barely injured a bet, <laughs> I don't think. He's been unbelievable for that. Um, I don't know. The, the game, I thought, had a level of tension in the first half and obviously you're going to be feeling it different to me by the time the second half came around I thought it almost suited both parties like in a weird way it almost suited Eddie Howe to be able to say well look we had a close game with Liverpool we lost 1-0 we had the boys had a good effort it's not too demoralising and Liverpool was okay we take these three points we can get these guys on later in the game and don't pick up an injury and didn't have to exert too much do you prefer playing before City or after? Mm. It, it honestly it feels like it doesn't make much difference with them I no. barely even look out for the results um, probably before but it's tricky though obviously this this weekend we got Spurs that's probably the hardest game either of us have got in any of these fixtures in that case I'd rather just not be playing the better team yeah, and we're playing before City but it doesn't you know, I don't see that as an advantage I'm actually angry in advance already with that <laughs> because I just know what's going to happen <laughs> the two City get seeing Brendan Rodgers now just really irritates me because of the way they crumbled in that game earlier in the season yeah and yeah, I mean, we'll speak about Arsenal a bit if we, if we don't get it there's so many moments I'm going to look back on and just be very resentful as the season as the season goes on, um, in the moment, did you think it was a foul from Milner on Fabian Shaw? No, not I didn't even have a doubt because they made a big thing of it. Where I didn't in the moment, and then the way the commentary like, ooh, we'll have to have a look back at that. Yeah, I I couldn't quite believe there was as much attention paid to it as there was. Well, no, once we'd seen the replay showing. Otherwise, I thought, are we, do we really need to look at this at half yeah, time? Yeah. And then exactly. they showed it like three, four times at half time. And then when they do their thing of plugging their app, and he was like, and you can see that foul, for, you can see that challenge for yourself and make your own mind up. And it was like, well, I don't know what angle you're going to see that's going to no. change your mind here. For example, by contrast, the the Mane one, which I've watched back a few more times now, because at the time I didn't, I thought even the Mane one, I thought he hasn't properly caught him now. He shouldn't go in like studs up, whatever. And then it does catch him in the knee more than I thought you would. I thought that, if you wanted to examine that one a lot more, I'd, I would go with it. The Shah one, I didn't think it was... I tall. can't believe that's not a red card. And if we're going to apply the scale of, if that was Granit Xhaka, um, yeah, I, I think if that happens, I mean, it's, it sounds quite uh, bitter. I think if that happens to uh, the majority of other clubs in the situations they're in, I just think there's a pressure on referees at the moment where nobody wants to be the one to spoil this. And yeah, think, it could be something to that. And I think we'll see it um, in a relegation battle and I think we'll see it in a top four battle uh, on either side because I think there were some decisions in the Arsenal one yesterday where it was like, okay, we, we don't want to be the one if it's yeah split to, to ruin this. Yeah. Um, Especially the Mane one was very early in the game, wasn't it? So I think what, that was... The thing, the thing with Mane, which I do, I feel like it someday it's just going to switch. Yeah, I, I it's agree. It's not that he isn't that type of player. Like he has a history of 
I haven't heard anyone say he's not that type of player, but I, he doesn't seem to get punished for at some no. point the floodgates are going to open where it's just going to be... We're kind of at the phase like, at the yeah, moment he's... where I imagine soon we'll hear him described as playing on the edge. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, when it comes to the Shaw one, though, maybe it's just the fact that there's a centre-back that stays down. Yeah, yeah, probably. Because I don't know if you... Did you see match of the day two last night? No. Okay, so... Um, so speaking about now, it's a comparison... Um, so they show the Spurs Leicester game and I think it's for Spurs third goal. Soyenchu basically has a one of these ones where the ball's coming to him and it's like 70-30 in his favour and he pushes out of it and he tries to chop it over Romero. Oh no. And Romero just says, I'm having this <laughs> and goes right through, takes the ball completely cleanly. And they did slow-mo stages of Soyuncu's reaction, where he stays down, he's not hurt, he's barely touched. And he looks up, and Dini's like, okay, he looks up here, and I can tell you, in this position, you're going, please don't score. <laughs> and then it's like, further down, where this, the ball's getting in a better position, and they do another zoom on Soyuncu, and it's like, at this stage, you're going, I really hope you don't score. <laughs> I best look even more injured now because I'm not getting back. And they show him and he kind of looks at the floor and he kind of bangs the floor. And he's like, you realise you've not got the ball back yet. You look up a third time here and it's, they're going to score again. <laughs> and he's like, I best roll onto me back. This one really hurts. And then he's pointing out at full time, like Wes Morgan and Cashwish Michael are going to see that and you're going to be getting it. Um, yeah, for sure. But yeah, that's the only thing I could think is that because it's centre back, they're like. Yeah, oh, I thought Shaw probably saw that we scored and thought I'm staying down and seeing why I can get it. I don't, I don't necessarily blame him. No, and obviously, obviously, it doesn't pay off. Um, I guess one of the few times where we have said the beauty of our this is. Um, mm, yeah, yeah, probably true. But I thought it was almost relief from Klopp after the game, where it's like, because the longer the game goes on with that, you're in the territory of feeling like there's a script being written and it's like, well, they're definitely going to get a chance. Yeah, that's it. And then I guess if, if the if the best chance you give up is that Bruno one, you your defence have you. done their job. Yeah. Yeah, I think ordinarily we've had a lot of games where we've really hammered teams, but they've had some really good chances, whereas Newcastle didn't have a lot. So this is probably the opposite where I've said this Liverpool team probably doesn't really seem to have much idea about game management. This would probably be a good example of where they actually are able to manage a game a bit better. Do you think he's being more careful with Trent this year? Because in previous seasons, he's played more games for Liverpool than anyone. Yeah. Uh, probably is more of a conscious decision to, uh, as you said, be careful with him. The lack of real cover we've got a right back, obviously having to put Gomez out there, probably means he's aware, I can't have this guy get injured. Yeah. And actually, I can't play him. Um, with Robertson, two questions on him. First of all, do you think this is the best form of his Liverpool career? It's right up there, isn't it? I think it's right up there. Uh, I don't know if it's the best because he has had years, probably numbers-wise, he's probably hit more assists, whatever. And I think when he first broke through, I thought it was really, really good. But it might be. He does seem to be getting better. And did you see the video the Liverpool account posted where it's like this from Andy Robertson in like the 93rd minute and it's him charging up the field and just booting it as one of his teammates. <laughs> yeah. And then he gave away, could have given away you a could, Usually you, you chop off the end of that clip. So you do the bit where he runs back and wins the ball. Yeah. And then you go, oh, that's great from Rollo. Whereas, yeah, they showed the full clip. Because it's like one of them where um, you show like a skills reel 
and you cut it off after the pass and you're like, the striker's definitely let him down here. In this one, it's like, just just show him sprinting. <laughs> like what Arsenal did with Al Nenny at Old, uh, Old Trafford last season. Just show him running in the last minutes and be like, that's, that's what we want. Um, I did have something else to say about Liverpool. I'll come back around to it when uh, we get to City. Um, Wolves-Brighton, I did want to have a quick mention of. Um, Blimey. Graham Potter cooking again after we said... Despite the fact they were like one point away from their best ever points total, his stock was probably at its lowest. Mm. Um, genuine question: What's happened with Neil Mope? He hasn't played ninety minutes since the sixteenth of March, but he's been on the bench every game, so he's been available. Was there something about them having a falling out or something as well? Well, I mean, it would make sense. I think there was. Some, I don't know how accurate or not that is. Um, it does help the Welbecks manage to stay fit, and I think he probably like him. Yeah, and he probably offers more um, and just he gets about a bit more but a bit Mope, more mobile yeah Mope he got the winner at uh, Southampton wasn't it earlier in the season mm. like right in the last minutes because we did a segment on being one of the few remaining like piss boilers in the league <laughs> and, and then yeah 16th of March is the last time that he's played 90 minutes he's played say he's like 70 minutes a couple of times but he's clearly not considered the guy anymore weird one yeah he's, he's a weird player because he does have all the sort of characteristics you probably could need for the sort of that guy up front but just lacks just that tiny bit of quality where you couldn't say he's undroppable or anything no, so Brighton can do that we'll speak about him in a bit but we did it where I've been saying in Katia to Brighton and the sense it makes for mm-hmm. about a year um, and then we kind of switched to one point so well is he going to start over Mope like he's not going to start over Mope is no, he no no exactly and then Mope if, you, if you're if you not even trusted in a team that doesn't score very many goals it's not a great look with all due respect if you'd be dropped for Danny Welbeck at this point it's not a great sign yeah, of where exactly. you're at he'd a pretty good season to be fair in terms of moments um, mm. yeah yeah but yeah I think it's more what he offers outside of that we're far removed from Mope having his banter with Carragher in Monday Night Football <laughs> I remember the start of the season and because of the incident he had with Arsenal previously I was shitting it when we had to face when we had to face them and he had a chance and that was right right when Ramsdale was kind of making his name found somewhere inevitable that you would score yeah and then yeah bit of a fall from grace since uh, fall from grace he probably is going to be one of those strikers if he I mean if he if he has fallen out with Potter maybe he might end up getting a move or if he ends up saying that he will probably be one of those strikers who has six weeks where he looks the dogs the rest of the season probably won't yeah, do much it'll be in and out it's just because part of it is like that's like, that part of the league is just kind of full of those sort of players yeah because I was going to say if you're bringing him in like what are you bringing him in for because you're not bringing him in to score 15 a season no you're not bringing him in because he's not as physical as some of the guys you could bring in to do that job um, he's not as quick as some of the guys you'd bring in to do that job and so okay, you bring him in because he's a character he's like, got that dog in him yeah well, I mean like, I feel like there was a day when we spoke about Shane Long as a guy when he was on the pitch and you'd be like, oh, I don't fancy playing against him today. And then just, you looked so all of a sudden he'd play like 16 minutes in three weeks. Like, I don't know if Mope is just going to have, is just going to be like that. I feel like the same with Charlie Austin. Well, yeah, I mean, this could, uh, think of Aaron Connolly, a brand, kind of similar sort of thing where you thought he could be that guy, maybe never going to be prolific, but it's just going to be an absolute nightmare the whole time he's on the pitch. Yeah, he's been behind Balogun in the pecking order. Uh, 
Borough. Yeah, so that's you know shows how quick things can fall. I'll continue banging the drum for my guy there. Uh, he's broken by that girl off Love Island. So that's what's happened. Yeah. <laughs> In fairness, can understand that. That's <laughs> I'd be I'd be mentally shook as well. Um, for example, yeah. if you were getting a strike, you would say, "Would you next year take a chance on Mitrovic or Mope?" I think more people would probably just go, well, Mitrovic I might be the guy who gets the yeah, championship yeah. format in the Prem, even though the, the record would probably suggest Mope's a safer bet in the Prem. And I, I, it's one of them where I feel like if Mope went down into the championship, you're like, well, we've got a lot of Mopes down here. Yeah, you don't feel he would have the freakish numbers no. that Mitrovic has hit. Um, last thing on this. So when we beat Wolves in February, we were speaking about that as a game of top six contenders. When I tell you, they've got one win in their last five, three wins in their last ten, and they don't draw games either. <laughs> they yeah. very much they win or they lose. Um, what what the hell's happened? Oh, potentially just a bit of a return to the mean for them. Maybe I don't know that they probably should have been fighting for that. I think he's done a good job when you consider the way it ended with Nuno was pretty flat. I think Spurs fans can probably attest to what it's like at the end of New Year's time. Not a lot of fun. I don't think it was as extreme at Wolves, but the same sort of thing, the turgid footballs eventually just became too much. But yeah, If you want the, the ultimate cause, they're going to play City soon. So their form had to shit out. <laughs> Obviously, it had well, to. Because part of it is, um, like, I feel there's something within the club where they feel like, we almost have a duty here where we can't give up on Raul Jimenez. Like, we've at least got to give him the season. You can't have yeah. a guy that plays for you, has the numbers he has, has an injury like that, and then you, you just say, bomb him. well, look, you can't head the ball properly anymore. Yeah. Because he has an issue, doesn't he, with his um, like headband where, and it was when we played them at the start of the season, he just can't head it on target because it's like spinning off. And they, had to, they spoke about him having a real issue with it. And there was a game where I remember he chucked it on the floor. Um, so I don't know. They're they're clearly struggling to get it right, but like, even if we go back two months, the discussion was: is it going to be Jose Sar or Ramsdale for keeper of the season? Yep. Um, Connor Cody was Connor Cody. He's getting his plaudits. Um, I'm just looking at the team they had at the weekend. Uh, Nuri had a good game for them, and he suddenly I think he went up like twenty percent in the FPL picks. For that weekend, we look at the likes of, I know you're not as high on him, uh, like Neves, Moutinho, and they fit in the conversation of people saying, well, they could play for a better team than Wolves. Sure. Fabio Silva was still kind of waiting to kick on. He feels like someone who, he'll be 25 and will be going, one day this guy's going to be the guy. Well, I feel like he will. I think the issue for him at the moment is he needed a move before Wolves. But yeah, at the same yeah. time, there was so much hype around him that Wolves were like, well, we can't let him go anywhere else. So you need to look at him if the ingredients are there. Yeah, just... I think he's just too small because mm. he's got that kind of... The positions he takes up, he's always in the right position in and around the box. He's just not tucking it away and maybe it will just explode one day or maybe never will. I don't know. The, the thing is, I think they've got a lot of players who are really good maybe not quite great if you looked at all the, pretty much all the players you named there yeah. but like Podence Neto on their day you look at them and think oh these proper players but they got too many days that you go the opposite way and that's in that sense Wolves have probably found their guys and they have probably found their club in that they're not 
I saw, a top, top table, but they can try and sort of knock on the door. I saw Twitter polls about Saka and Neto earlier in the season. He was being talked about, yeah, very highly. Um, I think there's a. I think there's also probably a thing of that with, uh, say, if Neto started hitting a few goals, you'd probably someone would probably get on board hoping he'd be the next job. Yeah, and that's pretty kind of simplistic. And you go scores goals for Wolves, so therefore he's going to be. But someone will take the chance, I imagine. Yeah, I think the injury might scare people off. I don't know if it's uh, one that has a history of being recurring or if it's just sometimes we see people are out for an injury and it's like they're going to have this injury for the rest of their life. <laughs> or even if they just start with that and then start picking up little ones afterwards. Is yeah. That happens um, to a lot. But the issue for them is they do spend money. Yeah, so, that's it. They're not <laughs> we, like We're a, not giving them an excuse there because like even in January, and it's not a much, but they spent about 15 million on Huang in January and making that permanent. You look at Fabio Silva, it was like 30 million. You look yep. at a lot of these guys, they've spent the cash. They just seem to have, you might have to look outside of Portugal at some stage. <laughs> yeah, it's a, a rogue idea for you. Uh, a bit on Leeds, Man City, I, I wrote down, was this one ever in doubt? Um, do you think Pep was going to rest as many players before he saw the Liverpool game? Trick and add anything to it? What, you think you thought, well, if they're going to, I'm going to yeah. do the same. Maybe. KDB uh, and Bernardo came off the bench. It's not bad, is it? They, uh, I think you've got to say they were the originals for in terms of rotating yeah. and him just rotating for the sake of rotating at times. So I had to watch the highlights for this because I, I was in too deep on Ozark where I had two episodes left and was like, can't step I'm back I'm going to have to do one. And then the issue was there was no support on after. So I finished that. The City game finished. I was like, oh, what, what do I do now? Um, but yeah, I've, I've, I've seen it back. Jesus is doing a Willock on us, isn't he? Where he drove the price up for Newcastle <laughs> and then our karma's coming back. And Esther's a bit of a deeper conversation on him. For one, now the conversations that came out didn't feel like agent talk in the way that they usually would. In the way that, say, I put in Milinkovic Savic's agent. It's like, you know, we've got talks. We can, we're choosing between United and PSP at the moment. It's like, yeah, we'll believe that when we see it. A bloke yep. who's been at... Lazio and the only other links just happen to always be United. They always were, yeah. Yeah. Um, with this one, do you think the goals he scored in the last month bring in any other interested parties? Because I think the guys on our kind of level, if you were to put, say, Spurs in there, who he's turned his nose up at previously, um, I, I do still think of how long there's a bit more of an allure with Arsenal. Um are the guys in that level above, are suddenly Bayern, PSG, Madrid, any of these going to say, all right, well, we need a striker this summer as well. Gabriel Jesus is number one on our list in a summer where Mbappe and Haaland are leaving. Bayern could end up in that spot. One, they like spite in other clubs, I think. Yeah. Um, and if yeah, Lewandowski wants out or whatever, I don't know who they're going to get. They've been like with Lukaku. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Maybe, that's fair. So, I don't know if it's a case of, well, is he going to come to us or is he going to stay at City? And well, that's the other thing. I was going to say, is the door totally closed on the City? Because if he does one. hit some form, they might go, you know what? Is is he prepared to do that? Because it's quite clear they're going in for a strike this summer. Yeah, and he's probably within his rights to go, well, hang on a minute, I've been here the whole time. You didn't fancy me an hour just because I've hit a bit of a run. You fancy yeah. me again? He, 
it sounds a very fragile ego thing to say that, yeah. but footballers are footballers. I've seen someone say that Haaland's release clause expires within the next fortnight, and so they're going to have to trigger it before then, so we're going to know whether they're doing oh, that right. or not. Oh, I just assumed it was in the summer. Yeah, same. So it may just be a, a, a thing I've seen there, but that's my worry is the fact that when it's a release clause, they can drag it out that long, that it affects our business because we're waiting around. Yeah. It's, it's certainly... Um, it's the most confident I've seen Jesus looking, yeah. even when he's been on a decent run before. I don't think ever, he looks like he's sort of he's feeling himself. Feels well, like I he's saw the guy. All the tweets are like, "Look, this guy is desperate not to move to Arsenal. Look at the goals he's scoring." <laughs> so, well, Haaland scored a hat trick last weekend. He must be desperate not to go to City. He he's put a lot of things to bed. Where I saw some Arsenal fans debating, like, oh, "I think we can do better than that." Is is Jesus the guy? And it's like, the money we're talking about. Yeah, yeah. And I do think there's going to be a focus from us on Premier League experience when you look at what we're linked with this, the likes of Tielemans, Neves. It's like there probably are some slightly better options out there, but you're going with what you can trust, I guess. That's the other thing. A lot of people will go for like what they think potentially might, but every now and again, you do have to go for the, the solid option because, for example, I, you know, Pepe on paper is going to be better than a lot of people you could have got but it was always a risk well him him and Zaha we've gone back yeah. to and- yeah exactly so I think Jesus would benefit from being the main guy at Arsenal as well yeah. personally I think he's he's shown here that he kind of seems to like that trust and responsibility so and when you look would- at the way Arteta seemingly wants the striker to look if you look at say Nketiah yesterday and we'll speak about Arsenal a little bit Jesus can play that role. I was that's exactly <laughs> what I was thinking. I was watching Inkatia doing this thing, saying I thought he looked again, looked sharper than he had done. But I thought if you put someone with more quality like Jesus there, yeah. Now not every game's gonna be like that because no. it was quite open for Inkatia, wasn't it? There's was a lot on the break. But uh there are gonna be games where it's like that and Jesus would be perfect. Yeah. Um with City, it does feel like a lot of people kind of speculated, okay, at some point they're gonna take their foot off the gas and they don't take their foot off the gas. Um, I, I don't know why you'd think that watching them anyway, but bearing in mind we've also have a, a history of seeing them not do it. I don't know how you could no, ignore that. Some people saw them draw a palace and was like, ooh, the wheels might be coming off here when everyone has struggled at Sellers Park. That is also the standard that's ended up being set, is that any sort of chink in the armour people read into. Yeah, I think um, Bernardo Silva, and you saw two interesting interviews that basically said the same thing but opposite sides there was an interview after the Liverpool game and an interview after the City game and I think a player on one side said we both might have it tough now for the rest of the season and then the other player was like yeah neither of us might not struggle for the rest of the season I think Gundogan said I don't think either of these teams are going to struggle yeah it? that's the one Polish. there yeah maybe he's trying to reverse jinx you <laughs> yeah that bastard um, Spurs Leicester now I want on the record, I do genuinely think this was match fixing from Brendan. <laughs> I mean, we've got a guy in Conte that does have a history of this. If he stuck it on Brendan, I think Brendan would spew it and go, yeah, right, you can have it. Well, they were all, they were very pally before the game where I was like, hang on a minute. Uh, boys. He's not giving you lip balm here. <laughs> I mean, I'd see Jose speaking in the week about the bottle of wine that Brendan's just bought him. No. Yeah, and he's like, now I know this wine and it's my favourite Portuguese wine and he's like I don't know where he got it but I know how much he paid for it 
Let's go, hang on a minute. <laughs> you, I think you've got bigger fish to fry. Um, won't go too in-depth on the game. Son was signed. He scored a peach um, for their third goal. Mm. I said when I saw, I thought I said to you yesterday, all the talk was of West Ham playing a weakened team and then I kind of didn't comprehend that Leicester were in the same situation. Yeah, exactly. And in the end, Leicester then played a severely weakened team and West Ham kind of dabbled with it. As soon as Spurs took the lead early, I thought, okay, that's that's it, done. Leicester did have a few chances before then, but they they have about a, as little conviction as any team in the league this season. Like You just feel like we can blow these over. Yeah, they're, they're an odd team, aren't they? They're very odd. I don't know if you've seen Brendan's um, interview for him after the game. He said, what was missing? And he said, aggression. And he said, okay, so how'd you sort that out? And he's like, well, you've either got it in you or you haven't. Like, there's only so much you can train into someone. Mm-hmm. And I've got to think part of that was in the Soyanchi challenge because yeah, it was yeah. really bad. Um, but I don't know. There was a, he left out Madison and Dewsbury Hall, they both had issues that they couldn't be in the squad, but they're expected to be fit for Thursday. So read into that what you will. I don't know. Um, Vardy's been in and out of the team all season. Daka had about a month where he looked like <laughs> I'm the guy. And then Iheanacho scores a nice goal at the end of the game. But As a whole, he's been disappointing this year, hasn't he? If you consider how he ended last year. Well, they were, was it the they were speaking on match of the day and they said, well, you look at Everton's fixture list, the fact they've got Leicester next, they'll be thinking, we're happy with that. Yeah, yeah, they'd, they'd be one of the teams you'd pick probably at the minute. So it'd be interesting to see what they do there. Spurs put the pressure on Arsenal by playing beforehand and this is what made me think when I asked you earlier, which would you rather do? Because you do feel more pressure when you're playing second and Arsenal obviously buckled when Spurs lost to Brighton and then we lost to Southampton. But when you play first, if you do drop points, there's few things as horrible as Torture, when, you, when you watch the other team just then breathe The only fast. thing benefit if, benefiting you lot is that as Spurs or Arsenal fans, I don't think you can have much conviction. Either Any slip up from the other one, I think you're probably thinking, well, we'll slip up as well because these two teams are inconsistent. Whereas in, in this battle with City... You kind of know if they're already dropped points, we're fucked there. Well, Conte said for all of the top four race that people are talking about, people should consider what a special achievement it is that his side are even in the running for it. They should. This what a special achievement. Is that though with Jose's second place? Do you think Conte's going to be there next season? Well, every time I think he will be, he comes out with another quote where you're like, I'm not sure. Because he seemingly, he did almost the keeping himself clean in well the way he distanced himself from PSG was like oh, this is fake news I don't know who's putting this out yeah and then as soon as you say hey but I must admit I'm flattered that people appreciate oh, my work the last <laughs> thing you need to hear so I, I don't know it's it's a very interesting one and then he's been pretty upfront to be fair that look I'm not here to be competing for fourth and sixth place yeah but I feel like you've got to be realistic. Like Arteta's said the things like, look, Arsenal's a club, we need to be competing for titles. But he also has said, it's going to be a while until we're up there competing with Liverpool and City. Like Conte didn't take over at Spurs. And unless 
Levy really can sell the dream. <laughs> I've got to think he's not told him we're going to have you competing with those two, those two boys within a year. No, it's it's Conte's way of keeping him honest, isn't it? Keeping the neck on the throat. So, well, it's twofold. You can either he can leave, and well, the Spurs fans can go, well, they weren't going to give him what he wanted, or he can stay, and it's right, Daniel. You've got to give me. Let's face it, War Chest will probably That's be used for I mean. probably. He's probably not going to get that, but he, you know, Spurs have spent money on players. They just spent it badly. He's going to back himself to right. Give me the same level of funds, and I'll get you more results. As we've seen with with other clubs, like the deal for Kulishevsky was a loan with it. It's going to be an obligation to buy. Mm. There's only so often you can push these deals back. They started doing it with um, La Celso and they did it with um, Gedson Fernandez when they brought him in and they've done it with yeah. a couple. The thing that Italian clubs let you do is when Juve come in, they'll say loan and it'll be two years where we'll pay you. Yeah. People aren't going to be doing that with Spurs. So, no. It may, in the short term, you'd be okay with saving money here. But when it comes to Conte having his transfer chest in a season's time, they're going to say, well, it was 80 million, but we're taking 40 off for what we're spending on Benzenkur now. We're taking yeah. 30 off for the Kulishevsky. we got to pay the credit card yeah. off first, yeah. So that's why this, that whole system is pretty garbage, to be honest. So I don't, I don't know what they're going to do. Because Benzenkur, I was looking at some Spurs fans yesterday and he's been getting more criticism than he's been getting in the last couple of weeks. Well, I saw one, and from knowing football fans, it could be an overreaction. One was like, Harry Winks wasn't doing much worse than this. <laughs> and I think the issue with him, and it's what Spurs fans, uh, Juve fans criticised him for, is um, in big moments, his ball retention isn't great. Yeah. In that he may be the guy that is going to attempt the deeper pass for you, but in the 82nd minute, sometimes you don't need that. You're giving the ball away cheaply, yeah. And he was doing that a lot in the Brighton game. So I, I don't know. If if they get top four, then Conte is going to say, thank you, Mr. Levy. You spent the money for me in January and that got us over the line. If he doesn't, he's probably going to say, well, look, I got two players, but I sold six. Remember that whole thing he was doing? We're yeah, actually weaker yeah, yeah. than we were. Yeah. Nice yeah. spin. Jose, Jose said in the week, didn't he? He was like, uh, Mr. Levy is a very interesting man in football. <laughs> oh, Jose. Well, he said that he was asked, going into the potential cup final, does that perhaps make you nervous after what happened last time? <laughs> and he was like, no, it, it doesn't make me nervous because, uh, yeah, Mr. Levy is a very interesting man. Typically, you don't get sat the week of a cup final. No, typically. he was then asked if he had any advice for Ten Hag. I did was, see that. Yeah, that was a bit weird. Like, yeah, not quite sure. No, I saw the journalist like, it's pretty great to get my first finger wag from Jose this early into my uh, career. <laughs> That'd be a little bit like, uh, any tips for your ex-wife then? <laughs> well, what's the, uh, go ahead. Um, Everton, Chelsea. So, Everton are one point. Chelsea from, not letting us have any fun. No. Everton are one point from safety now. With a game in hand. Yeah, it, it felt like was anyone that confident in Chelsea going into the game? I still thought they. I didn't think they'd lose. I didn't think they'd fucking lose. Uh, I know they're inconsistent at the minute, but come on. Is it not one of them where you're like, as soon as you get past half time, you're like, yeah, 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 this isn't good. Like you've you've let them believe. 
it is fair to acknowledge as well, Everton are a slightly different animal at home. You can't, if, I know Carragher said it a few weeks back, if they're going to stay, it's going to be the home form, and that probably has been the difference. Yeah, it's, I, I don't know, because now I've seen the highlights back and I was watching the second half while uh, on, on the bus back from uh, Brad's. Chelsea weren't playing well. Like Pickford had a great game and I don't think that what we saw from Pickford is anything different to what we know he can do. Like I saw some like, and people have the nerve to doubt this man. And the issue was never, it's not that he's a shit keeper. People have no. never gone, oh, this guy's rubbish. The issue has been, okay, what are we going to get between you doing this? So uh, have you seen the save back? That's Unbelievable, yeah, yeah, to be fair. Um, imagine I, I don't, yeah, I don't doubt his capacity to make unbelievable saves like that. Um, but there's this weird sort of um, black and white situation with Pitford, though, where it's kind of, we can't acknowledge he's had some bad games, some bad moments. You know, you can't just ignore him. No, it's it's, and it does seem to be that you have to because he's just had a really good game, which he did. Yeah, it's, it's, it'd be like you know if you were telling the tale of um, the Hayes Man United career and just never acknowledging some of the bad moments because there have been some bad ones. Yeah. Because, but he's had some really really good ones where he's been. You know, several times their player of the year. So yeah, it's 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 very frustrating to see he was great. Yes, I still don't re- I still don't really know why he has to have a full blown meltdown every time he actually has to make a save. It's very frustrating seeing that. Um, I mean, I'm not quite what's his name, um, Liverpool pundit, mousy looking, mousy looking. Yeah, oh, he's thought he was what Scott? Yeah, Sunas. No, <laughs> Potty does match a day sometimes as well. Oh, uh, Warnock. Yeah, Stephen Warnock. Yeah, um, him saying it was at the point where he just hates him because he doesn't realise why he's so chopsy. Yeah, he went really in, didn't he? <laughs> um, but it, it is still. It's like, you, you're going to have to do some work, some work at some stage. You're an Everton goalkeeper. Yeah, yeah, especially. Yeah, the thing is, like. It's more just that he's overused it because every keeper will have a go at the back four, whatever. Yeah. But he's doing, like you said, every shot. Yeah. He'd be like, they can't all be. It, it was a commentator's dream yesterday because every time there was a block or a save, it was, is this the save that keeps Everton in the Premier League? They just keep doing that to the end of the season. Jobs are good. Um, and they kept doing the, uh, oh, fireworks like we were seeing outside the Chelsea Hotel last night. <laughs> Loves that one. Loves make it. The, the issue also with, with this game, I think it's been the case for Jazz's last few. The form is a bit patchy anyway, but they in such a nothing spot for a decent amount of a season whereby we're not touching the top two, but we're probably just about safe from the top four race because we had enough of a cushion anyway, plus those teams are inconsistent. So I'm not, I'm not making excuses for them, but there is a certain degree of, what are we playing these for? By contrast, Evan are fighting for their lives. If running into teams... Most weeks, who have more to play for than you do. Chelsea are now three points ahead of Arsenal. Yeah. Uh, would you back Arsenal Spurs to catch no, them, though? No. Is the thing? No. But if Chelsea. But if you look at the leader they would have had at one point. Yeah, if pretty... Chelsea carry on playing like this. Mm. I will say, last time Lee Dixon said, look, fourth isn't the target for Arsenal, now it's third. We lost three in a row. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But you've got to look at that. And I mean, it'd be quite something if Arsenal and Spurs both, both oh, took. Those places, but Reese James was playing yesterday, which is something we should probably point out. Um, I did. If Jack does listen back to this. He's just going to be sat stewing listening to you say this. I, well, I texted him last night. I've just tried to wind him up actually. <laughs> um, 
and I texted him to quote as he always does. And I said, I'm just watching match of the day. Chelsea really do suck. <laughs> and at 20 past 12, he texted me back. It's painful. We've just checked out. We had, The last time we actually played football was the Madrid away game. Apart from that, Southampton 6-0. We've not looked good since January. I think the players are just knackered. They CBA, there's nothing to play for. We've sleepwalked into a top four battle when we really didn't need to. Mm. At least Spurs have Liverpool and you. Otherwise, I genuinely think we'd finish fifth. Christ, yeah. And the, the fact that they were able to say to get the performance out of the Madrid one shows when something's on the line, yeah. they were able to get a bit more. So I think that probably does it. And the Southampton one is Southampton, I think. Azpilicueta <laughs> really does stink. Huh? Azpilicueta really does stink. He was doing this whole thing yesterday of, look, I'm an odd man. I've got my shirt tucked in. Um, <laughs> and just like shoving people for no reason. It's like, what the hell are you doing? Just like, no, he does love doing that, doesn't he? Him, him and uh, Seamus Coleman scrapping. It was like, can you just knock each other out? <laughs> can we have a double knockout? Despise the pair of you. Just short little runts with bad attitudes. Yeah, pretty, uh, pretty classic case of uh, a complex, haven't they? Both yeah, seem just angry. Hate the pair of them. Um. Weird one with Coleman because off the pitch in his interviews and stuff, he seems like a fairly chilled kind of all right guy. Yeah. But on the pitch, he does even just looking at him, you're like, "There's something about you I despise." Yeah, I was, I was wound up by him in that um, Liverpool game where Gordon went down and he was like tapping the badge on his chest. Oh like, God! What the hell are you doing here? People were loving it online. Yeah. I was like, "Oh Jesus!" Yeah, Chelsea, you, you think have got enough there, but one 0 down to Everton. Struggling for goals, Lukaku can't get off the bench. Oh yeah, that's, that's asked, done, isn't it? They asked Tuchel, "Why do you not bring on your ninety million pound striker?" He said, "Well, I took Jorginho off instead." So, yeah, he's he's got to go somewhere, isn't he? Really, he can't because, carry that on. By the same merit, if you've got nothing to play for, you should be less risk averse in your changes. In yep. that, look, I can bring a fullback, or I can bring a centre back off, and I can bring on Lukaku. Like what? What are you clinging on to with your structure at that stage? Something that we've at least done that's been better is what we've been losing. Like we've ended up with two defenders on the pitch to end the game, <laughs> yeah. and you at least want to see them going for it because it's so frustrating when you see that sometimes. And it's like, well, I appreciate you got structure, but why do we need a defensive midfielder in the 80th minute just because one's coming off? Yeah, that's it. It's not. Um, you know, I'm by no means going to say right, Lukaku one. Forget everything you're doing, just lump it up to him. But it wouldn't hurt for the last five minutes to mix no. it up a little bit, change Chelsea, something. Chelsea just can't score. Like we said, um, like Mount was their top scorer. Like I don't think they have a player on 10 goals, do they? Which is weird, isn't it? Because I, I don't know that you'd go, Havertz has had a bad year. No, no, no. And yet, you know, the numbers aren't great. And again, well, he had to he, scrap he's more his, than just numbers, but... He had to scrap for his shirt at the start of the season, didn't he? Yeah. With, with Lukaku. And then very quickly, it was like, yeah, one of these guys is better than the other. Um, I do think Havertz, with a full season, playing as a number nine, even if he's just told, like Tuchel's still saying, I'm not sure what he is. If you tell him, look, you're on number nine for the season. Yeah. Um, But Timo's come back in the team and he's playing 90 minutes in a week over Lukaku. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I know Jack touched on this last week. I was... I was, um, but I'd said similar to someone else actually in a conversation off the pod about uh, with the thing with Lukaku is uh, people are saying the Chelsea system doesn't suit him, which I think there is some truth to, but it does belie the fact that he started 
absolutely on fire. And normally saying the system doesn't suit him at that point. Uh, and then he obviously, he had that spell where he looked like he was starting to get tired of it. Tuchel said he was starting to get tired, so he was going to rest him. Not long after that, he ends up doing the interview and it really has all escalated from that interview. I mean, for him personally, but I do think for Chelsea as, actually as a whole, if you look at their inconsistency, kind of grew a little bit more after that yeah. point. They were a, a pretty solid team prior to that and it does seem to have all stemmed. When, Could be coincidentally, but from that time period around the interview. When Arsenal and Spurs are being linked with Tammy Abraham now this summer, should they take any warning from Lukaku's struggles coming into the league after looking like a killer in Serie A? Should, should Arsenal and Spurs? Yeah, should they should they be more like sceptical? because Mainly because of the money that would probably be attached to having so to buy they, him. Yeah, they, they, they say 100 million, it's believed to be closer to 80, which even still... I um, I would be nervous paying up for Tammy yeah, Abraham. Yeah, I saw a video and it was like uh, Tammy Abraham playmaking. And he does look great. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like, yeah, we were told that Lukaku was a complete striker while coming back to Chelsea now. Yeah, yeah. And that doesn't appear to be the case. Um, but I know sometimes it just doesn't work. I feel like if this was a lot of other managers, we'd be pointing to them to say, it's kind of your job to be getting the best out of this striker. Yeah, probably fair. A decent sum of money. I've... I think you, you and Jack, when you were talking, I kind of touched on. I think you said to him that was he not Tuchel's player, was he yeah. Roman's, whatever. But I think there was kind of like a, a hybrid in terms of. I don't think the manager didn't want him. I think he did, and if he was happy to have him, I don't think it was. What? But I don't think he would necessarily aggressively pursued it. I think they both were happy enough, probably. If but as a result, now that it's fallen off, it's not someone Tuchel went above and beyond for probably individually. So maybe it's easier for him to go. I don't need this guy anymore. If Pep signs Haaland in the summer. And after three months, he drops him. Yeah, Pepe's yeah. going to be getting more more stick than Tuchel is now. And well, yeah, Lukaku's a more experienced player with a better goal scoring record. His um, uh, the uh, that would be the ultimate case of a system just not being able to suit a striker. If that was the case, yeah. because you just don't see how that like, couldn't. Because then it's like, well, okay, well, you signed him, so make, make this so system you've work. Got to, yeah, especially for a, a decent sum of money, it's, you've got to work it around him. But again, you know, he, I guess Tuchel will probably point out early season, going, well, look, it did suit him at this point. He was yeah. doing fine. But uh, the tricky thing is, is, if you do want it to work out for you, I've said it before, if you spend a big chunk of money on someone, I do think you've got to write it to the wheels fall off and you've got to keep playing it. Yeah, yeah. Like they've done with Timo, really. They've just got to write, you've got to keep getting yeah. games. And yet for Lukaku, he didn't want it. And that leads me to think that Tuchel really took it to heart him saying what he said because yeah. he, he has treated him differently. No yeah. one else really at Chelsea has been uh, kind of just pushed aside quite like this. I think yeah. everyone's had a chance. I don't know if Lukaku always has. I thought their first leg against Madrid, I thought was the perfect advert for both sides of the Lukaku argument. He comes on and missed two good chances. Yeah. And then they spend the rest of the game, they don't even get the ball to him. They, they kept getting it out wide, would never put a cross in. Yeah. And he's try, trying to come short and do stuff with his feet that he's just not really suited to, in and around the edge of the box. Deli Ali becoming a man you bring on in stoppage time to waste seconds is quite something to behold. He's where just depressing. If if he is on something where he has to hit a certain number of appearances, like surely there's someone else on the bench you bring on to avoid paying for this guy. 
I was about to say I'll probably leave Everton will just get him just enough games to get the yeah. bonus they're that badly run yeah, it's, it's, it's very I very don't really weird. know what, like, what will he do we said if you can't do it Everton what, what is he going to do because he won't drop to the championship same question with Van der Beek people seem to think that he's going to come in next season and Ten Hag's just going to go you know what you are a brilliant player like, I'm going to f- ignore what I've seen for the last yeah at some point we have to look at the, the player and be like there's a reason because both United and Everton have been in the shit and neither have thought that you're trustworthy. It's true. And there's been a, an odd thing with, I've definitely ever said, I thought United should have given him more of a chance and I think they should have. When you think, Pogba's had more chances than anyone. Um, they keep starting Fred McTominay. Yeah. You'd think, just give Van der Beek, I don't know, four or five games starting and see what happens. Yeah. Fred's probably been their best midfielder this season. Yeah, he probably has actually. Um, but he's he's never really had that run. But then now you're getting game time at Everton. If you still can't, yeah, then your excuses are stripped away. As you said, I think we have an assumption that he's an all right guy. But if you don't share the right attitude, yeah. at both places, I don't know. He seems like he's got the right attitude, but you don't know what goes no. on in training. Uh, last game of the weekend, then so West Ham Arsenal. Um, I saw that West Ham team and I shit myself. <laughs> it was like, what the hell? You were supposed to be playing no first team you thought, players. Yeah, you, thought you have no rice, no nothing. Yeah, but yeah, I thought at least, I thought at least Bowen. You're not going to be risking him. I was surprised they started him. Yeah, and then I guess they're in a similar situation to us where they do have quite a thin squad. So it's like there's only so much resting you can do here. You can't rotate. Um, like I don't think you ever get punished for resting players anymore. Like we're United, like the only team that's ever happened. No, it was Wolves, wasn't it? Wolves, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, Which is outrageous, by the way. Yeah. Like Eduardo being the only one to get the diving ban after he just had his ankle snapped. I just, I never got it. I remember the Wolves thing at times. Like how, you're essentially telling these players who are playing that you're shite yeah. because you're going, wow, look, you have no hope of winning. Yeah. Arteta in his press conference after said, um, in this country, I believe you call it winning ugly. And I thought we won ugly today. Um, it, I feel like that's the first time Arteta's ever watched yeah. one of his teams and thought it was a bit ugly today, wasn't it? Yeah, it it was one of the most unpleasant games you'll see this season. I actually caught the last, um, I was about to say hour of it, probably more like 70 minutes of it actually, yeah. I, missed, I just missed the first 20 minutes. Both teams like started off, like one would give it away and then the other would give it straight back and it was like... Um, on match of the day, they, they, I think it was Deeney, um, said, well, I thought Arsenal would have seen what Spurs did and they would have come out like 100 miles an hour. Like, we've got a point to prove here. Um, Ramsdale claimed he didn't know the Spurs result. Rob Holding claimed said that everyone else did if that was the case. <laughs> he said, we got off we got off the bus and we knew they'd scored an early goal and we kind of thought, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it, it was very bad. Yeah. Two goals from set pieces, which if you were going to do that 20-team, West Ham's probably not the one you'd expect it. No, you probably wouldn't back Arsenal over West Ham um, in that sense. No, Ramsdale did bring up the fact that we've not conceded from a set piece yet this season, which I didn't like. He's played yet. <laughs> he did say touch wood, but didn't touch any wood. Was mugging Rob Holding on his big yeah. day, poor guy. Six years in a new hairline before his uh, first Premier League goal. Yeah, hold him. It's like, all right, okay. <laughs> yeah, he's like, wrong camera. Yeah. I could have a bit of a laugh. Um, yeah, I mean, Rob Holding got man of the match, which I, I thought Inketia probably or either one of Shaka or Al Nenny. 
the issue with Rob Holding and Katia should he have taken one or two of those chances was probably I didn't think they were really good chances but the the main thing with Katia that I actually really liked yesterday was uh, with the half chances that he got he made the keeper work every single time and his all round game was a lot better than it has been as well so yeah well for a guy that small to Mm. be it wasn't bullying Zuma but he gave Zuma all he all the one where he showed about. him the gas, I felt bad for Zuma. <laughs> yeah. I thought, Benham, are you supposed to, you know, I don't know whether the injuries have taken a bit of a toll on him. They're only little legs as well. Quick, huh? They're only little legs as well. Yeah, the issue with Rob Holding starting is that you can't bring him on when you're wedding. <laughs> the cheat code. Yeah. Does it apply when he starts? It I'm not sure. Um, Arteta said he wasn't too nervous about Tommy Asu's injury, which I hope is the case because... Yeah. Nuno Tavares is <laughs> something else. He is the older Benzema. He's playing against us. Well, yeah. I mean, for their goal, you've got one job, I imagine, as as the fullback, in that you look out wide to see who's running on, and Sufal's got all the time in the world. He looks up about three times before Tavares is there. It's a nice finish by Bowen, though, isn't it, as well? It is, yeah. I mean, he's helped by the fact it comes off holding. Um, mm. Ramsdale, I thought, actually looked a lot more confident yesterday. Um, made some good saves in the first half and I think that is the thing for him if you can you don't want that as a defender but if you can get him a save to make early doors he (laughs) really kicks on sells him in yeah Um, the Gabriel winner I thought was quite nice Fabianski probably should have done better but nice diving head is always nice yeah Gabby to Gabby when you look at it Saka didn't have a great game, does get an assist. Martinelli, I thought, was quite sloppy yesterday. Yeah, he had a quite one. So, come away with uh, the three points and it's all good. For, um, I thought in this game and in that game against Frankfurt, I thought West Ham looked like a team that had a long season. I thought they're looking tired. Well, I, I text Connor um, during the game when I saw Alex Kral on the bench and I said, well, I, I apologise for gassing him up to you. <laughs> and he was like, there is a guy that's like, make a wish. Like, <laughs> sit on the West Ham bench because yeah. I don't know what the hell's happened there. Um, yeah, Moyes clearly doesn't trust a lot of those. No, that is it because it's a Finn scored anyway and he really doesn't trust a lot of these players because, you know, he just keeps... Didn't they say that Antonio's not scored since like New Year's Day or something mental like that? Yeah, he, he looks like he hasn't either. Just uh, oh, man, I'm gonna lacking go, confidence, if I'm being kind. I'm going to go bankrupt, backing against Arsenal once we go a goal down to try and uh, jinx it into life. <laughs> Jesus. Did, did work again yesterday, though, so we take that. A um, couple of talking points from the game. What, what do you think about the Ramsdale-Bowen one? Because, to be honest, I didn't think much of it after it happened until it was being greatly debated after the game. Like I've never heard calls for a keeper to be sent off when he actually doesn't make contact. Like I feel it's you take the contact and you get him sent off or you jump over it. Like no, I was a bit I was a bit surprised by the whole thing cuz in real time it looks like a pretty classic case of player knocks it around the keeper gets taken out. Yeah. Then the way Ramsdale protested instantly made me think, okay, maybe he has the replay I thought showed does he make any contact at all? I don't think he does, does he? No. No. So in that case, I And Bowen Ramsdale said actually jumped straight up and says to the referee, he didn't touch me. Yeah, I, so, I thought that's what it looked like as well. So I don't know why he gets done for diving then in that case, because so, he's not trying to con the referee. No. But yeah, I didn't realise they'd been debating it after So really, Soonis was raging 
he said he's jumped up with six studs raised. It's reckless. He's off the floor. How is how is that not a challenge that you get punished for? And who was it? It may have been it's Jamie Redknapp there. And when he's the voice of reason, it's like And he said, well, but at the end of it, how do you punish him when he's not touched him? Yeah, yeah, that's it, isn't it? And so I had Connor messaging me and he's he was saying how he stayed on the pitch, by the way. I, I don't understand. And I said, well, when have we ever seen a player get sent off for not touching anyone? And he said, Vieira on Van Istroy. And I said, well, we're going back to 2003, <laughs> a decision which people thought was harsh then. And he's actually tried to kick him rather than he's come in for a challenge. Like, it was reckless. I wouldn't doubt that for a second, but you either take the potential leg breaker, which I'm not saying you should do, or like you take the foul. It's like, it's like a keeper coming out, punching like that. Yep. You don't punish them every time they miss the ball because they could punch someone in the head. Radio like, Gomez would have never stayed on the pitch, bless him. Yeah, it's... Uh, I feel it's uh, one of them. You, you kind of cheat the system there where you're saying to Bowen, do you want it or not? Yeah, that's it, isn't it? I think the striker going round the keeper's always got to tr- probably try and get contact. The old Vardy, if you yeah. like. Um, well, Moyes almost criticised him after and he said, oh, I think he can probably touch it around him and take a hit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's probably is probably is the, uh, the answer ultimately. The, uh, I don't think this is an example of it. There probably is something to the sometimes a player will hurdle a challenge and you kind of think probably should be some sort of yeah, reward yeah, yeah. or a foul given or something because he's had to go out of his way to not get fouled yeah, I agree. and has been disadvantaged via doing that uh, but I don't think this is a particularly great yeah, example I'm, of it I agree it's just it doesn't happen so we're not changing the rules in this instance all of a sudden I, I, I just don't think it's a great example of that either no, I don't think it's because if you jump in with your six studs raised yeah fair enough but at the same time like Bowen. I'd have to watch it, but I didn't remember thinking, like, oh, God, he's it, going really high up or anything there. But. Well, Ramsdale said that, he said, I I spoke to him after the game, he's a good lad, and he said to me, look, I was making sure I didn't get injured. So I just, so I jumped over it. He said, he said, he told him I wasn't trying to dive. Like, I just, I it wasn't risking enough. it. And so, I mean, you see him shake Mike Dean's hand, where it looks like Mike Dean's almost like, well, I've got to book you. And he's yeah. like, well, this is my case, so I'm just telling you I wasn't trying to cheat you. Fair. Um, I'm not sure if he would have jumped up and said I was just trying not to get injured if Mike Dean hadn't already blown the whistle and ran towards him so it may have been a no look it, look Bowen probably made the right decision as well because if a keeper takes you out and say hypothetically I don't know like smashes your ACL in you're yeah. not allowed to complain about it no. actually if you do actually you've got to get pointed out that every other team's had injuries and your centre-half <laughs> getting injured or ruining your whole season is not something that you should be crying and complaining about. I think Bowen saw a European semi-final on Absolutely Thursday and thought, yeah. which would I rather play in? Yeah. Um, yeah, just last bit on Enketia then. We've seen more from him in the last couple of games than we have previously. And I said he, he did that interview on a podcast this week. Uh, sorry, there were a couple of weeks back. Uh, it was the Sunday after we lost to Southampton where he said, I've not been given a, a run of games ever. I've not, I've not started three games in a row and it's very hard coming off the bench. Like I feel like I have another chance to prove myself. Now he's had a couple of starts and he got a couple of goals. He's um, impacted with his general play. 
I don't think his link-up looks that much worse than Lacazette's, to be honest. Certainly not the way Lacazette was playing towards no. the uh, last few weeks. So since we dropped Lacazette, we've got nine points out of nine. Um, is there an argument now, and now I'll put on the record, I think this would be a horrible move for Enketia, that if you're Arsenal, you say, look, in a summer when everyone's after strikers, it's going to be a struggle to sign two mm. world-class strikers. Is there an argument for keeping Eddie on board to play some minutes? Uh, but they have been putting contracts in front of him, haven't they? Yeah. He's been turning them down, yeah. which I thought was pretty audacious. Um, to be fair to him, he said, "I've since I signed my contract for five years, I've not I've not played 50 games. No, I think the point he makes about not getting more than three starts in a row is bang on the money, I think, particularly for a striker, really hard. So, uh, yeah, I don't think he should do it. For Arsenal, is he an all right squad player? Potentially, I think if you if your scouting department's got anything about it, you could probably pick up someone for not a lot of money to yeah, be a squad player if you had to. So it's not like because because the, the theory would be you may as well keep in care if you're going to have to spend big money on someone else, right? But yeah. there is probably a balance to be um, struck there. By the same merit, I guess the role he would be playing would be more similar to what he has been in what he's not been delivering because he's not going to be starting three games in a row if we sign a striker. Well, see, I said, I don't think he should do it because no, I think everything no. he's been saying about So, I mean, even from Arsenal's perspective, if he's shown that coming off the bench, he's not a great option, then if that's the role he's going to be playing, then... I, I guess the only thing is you will have more games next year yeah, with European yeah. football. So, do you... Will he just automatically get more of a look in, potentially? Yeah, that, that was the last thing. So, with beating West Ham yesterday, we've guaranteed that the lowest possible finish we can have is sixth. Uh, no conference is league. sixth. I think if we pick up one more point in the season and Man United don't get maximum points, then the lowest we can finish is fifth, which... I'll probably take a punt on that one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Which before the season, you'd say sixth was probably the target that was set. So it's, it's, it's going to be interesting. I don't see it as, all right, well, it's a free hit for Arteta now, where there are some that are trying to suggest that's the case. Yeah, that's... Um, I particularly think, when you're in the driving seat at the minute, yeah. that's a bit defeatist to be saying that yeah um, I'm going to touch wood when I say this I just want to put the perspective situation out there if Arsenal are to beat Leeds next week and Tottenham don't beat Liverpool then a win at the Tottenham Stadium would secure top four for Arsenal Jobs are good so, I mean, we've not won there since 2014. But I remember seeing a lot of Arsenal fans saying, look, just get ourselves into a position where we don't have to go to Spurs and win. Whereby, yeah. if you draw, it's in your hands still. Yeah. And that's probably what you want and that's probably where you're going to be. If, so, we, if we beat Leeds and they lose to you, then we'll be five points clear going into that game. Yeah, yeah. But I'm worried. If they win that, then that's a like, crazy... Uh... Well, yeah, because then we've got... Then we've got Newcastle and Everton. Yeah, I think... Uh, I'm worried about Leeds, to be honest with you. <laughs> well, if you're worried about Leeds, then you're, you're going to be worried no matter what then. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That, that that Spurs game, as I said, like, offer me a draw now. We'll take it. I'm sure you, I'm sure you would. I mean, an offer just, that game doesn't get played and we both just, <laughs> yeah. we just wipe off the fixture list. Um, and I'd probably do that, to be fair. But unfortunately... It doesn't work like that. Um, did think, uh, last touch on Kay? Okay, I did the old uh, pet move where he goes, 
Yeah, it's just so unfair. He's not had more game time. Yeah. If only I was in a position where I could have changed this. <laughs> um, last thing here before we get into the other sports that I wanted to run past you. So I've got a piece from ESPN and it was only that it well, was quite unhappy when I was reading it, actually. <laughs> and they, they've done a kind of regrading the summer's transfers now and how oh, they Lord. would do them. And I'll ask, just quick fire, your take, and then I'll tell you what ESPN have graded it. Sorry, I keep blowing my nose. Do you want to just do the Premier League ones? Because there's some European ones on here. Yeah, yeah, yes. I want to ask your opinion on uh, David Alaba and Hakimi. Um, Ben White. So I've got to give you a grade, sorry. Yeah, so it's like, yeah. B? They've actually given him an A. Um, Okay. Which I can see that I, I wouldn't, you know. No, this this I mean probably says a lot now. That's not one of the ones I was uh, unhappy when I was seeing. <laughs> I um, didn't think it would be. All right, Cristiano Ronaldo. C. They've given him a B. There's a lot here where they do seem to forget large portions of the season. Yeah, I was going to say his recent form has has changed it a yeah, bit. Fifteen goals in twenty nine games he's got. Jaden Sancho. D. B minus. What? <laughs> Christ alive. He's got two goals and two assists from 21 league games so far. I mean, just because he had a couple of good games, we started going, right, it looks like he might be turning it. They that, say, that was they say literally the season. He now looks to have regained some of the cutting edge from his Dortmund days and he'll be looking to improve on his two goals and two assists. Yeah. I think he will. Jack Grealish. C. B minus. What? So they... I thought I was being kind. Who do you think's had a better season, Grealish or Sancho? It's so unfair because the teams are so much... Such a disparity, isn't there? Because I'll say Grealish, yeah, but he's got a head of a safety net to fall back on by comparison to Sancho, who really doesn't. Rafael Varane. D. C plus. <laughs> so he's only just had a worse season than Grealish. <laughs> uh, I thought he'd be a decent signing for them as well. So that's probably why my, my grade. And Lukaku. I was about to say an E, but he did have an alright start to the season. But that was, I guess that was pretty short. I, I'll say a D. D plus. Maybe an E because the effect is having the rest of the team, seemingly. Has Lukaku had a worse season than Sancho? No. No, because at least he had that run. Yeah. Sancho <laughs> didn't is, even have that. This is what I mean. <laughs> yeah, yeah, outrageous. Uh, so, yeah, they're, they're, that's, that's the ones they've gone through. I mean, they've got Messi, a C, uh, Andre Silva. I don't remember that one being debated. B minus. Donnarumma, B minus. Hakimi, A minus. Tammy, B plus. Has Tammy only had a slightly better season than Ronaldo? Yeah, that's outrageous. And what? Sancho and Because I'm assuming Tammy some of these are also done on, on <laughs> what the expectation was versus what you got. Well, so the expectation for Tammy must be pretty low. And that's what I thought when I was looking at Grealish and Sancho and so on and so on. But That's kind of been my thing with, um, for example, the Ben White thing. It was I thought he was a decent signing. I thought 50 mil might be a bit much, but yeah. I, didn't, I would have gone 35-40. I wouldn't have bulk too much of that uh, 
so the whole thing of how good he's been has been well, I, th- I thought he'd be pretty decent yeah whereas a lot of people seem to think he was a disaster obviously by contrast my thoughts on the Ramsdale one were pretty well known yeah and I've been pretty emphatically wrong on that so yeah I've been to mention Declan Rice squaring up to Eddie at the end of the game yesterday it turns out they're really good mates <laughs> yeah Rice looked fuming I've not really seen like he was face saying who the fuck are you yeah he looked fuming and there's a clip from the last England camp with Declan Rice and he's doing a thing with Ben Chilwell and he's saying what he used to love it because he was at Chelsea with Eddie mm. and he said he's known Eddie since he was nine and what used to be great was that Eddie's mum would make the biggest batch of jollof rice <laughs> and he says on the way back they'd share it down the whole coach and Eddie would just basically be feeding the whole Chelsea academy and, and they'd, all be, and Rice, and, and they'd all be loving it. And he's, he's forgotten the rice. And he's saying, yeah, we've been mates since we were nine. We've been mates since we, since we were nine. And he's squaring up saying, who the fuck are you? <laughs> yeah, I, thought, I actually quite like the way that Eddie handled that. And I do quite like even more that our players don't seem to suffer things like this lightly in that everyone does pack in rather than you would have previously where... Yeah, I'm going to say, by contrast, I used to be. It's not... Yeah. Because Alexis would get it a lot and the players well, yeah just leave it to yeah. it then, mate. carry on yeah um, so there we go alright other sports that we had this weekend if we start with uh, Taylor Serrano when you bill a fight as the greatest <laughs> women's fight of all time you yeah. do put a certain level of pressure on there and Somehow the the fight did manage to deliver. Yeah, they nailed it, didn't they? The uh, let's say I think the atmosphere was better than probably any of us imagined. Well, I was see, all you saw in the week was the screenshots of how empty it was. So I don't know how many tickets they comped, but they were well, trying to give tickets away by the end of it for about fifteen dollars. Yeah, it's a weird one, wasn't it? Because he's obviously said how well it sold, and you got well. Hearn- is he giving this a spiel? Well, the thing where the thing with um, it was the second largest pre-sale in the history of MSG. It's the only. I think there have been three. Yeah, yeah. So ridiculous. But the the truth is probably somewhere in between. Was it what what Herm was feeling and what there were people online sort of tweet the sort of things. Where I thought I think you're kind of reaching for the hate a little bit here and that. I thought they promoted it as well as they could have. Like I was surprised by how many people were tuned in on Saturday night to watch it. Yeah. Yeah, and I texted you in the build-up, didn't I, saying like, Hearn just has an ability to make something feel like a big deal in a way that Warren and them just struggle with. Uh, like the, you know, the um, Webley, Empire State yeah. building and things yeah. like that. It's all, it all works. But having Jake Paul there is a pretty handy asset as well, isn't it? But yeah, I think the, the atmosphere helped. The Irish and the Puerto Ricans both nailed it. So it felt there was more on the line. Because you can say how big a women's fight this is or whatever, but until you have that... F- sort of big fight feel well, in the arena it's not the same the Brooklyn feel as well so you have that on top of the mm. Puerto Rican influence as well yes it was the perfect mix and uh, and then the fight ended up living up if you should look at it I don't think anyone was saying this was going to what the fight would look like I think they thought it would be a close fight but they probably thought well they're two the two of the more skillful fighters in the women's divisions maybe wouldn't have as much action as you ended up getting yeah the, the clips that we've seen of um, Holloway doing the point at the octagon and swinging for... Yeah. Like, we had probably a better version of that because yeah. very few of those actually landed. We we had 
at the end of multiple rounds here, the two of them, like Katie Taylor got clipped in, what was it, round five? Four, I think. Yeah, and then just turned into a slugger. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just said, ah, oh, fuck it. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was very good. I, I saw some posing the argument of maybe 10 two-minute rounds isn't actually that bad, like because it flew by the fight. Yeah, there is something to it, isn't there? Yeah. I mean... Particularly that when you're losing, you kind of have to get at it. Did, yeah, did also enjoy the uh, the defence of Taylor not wanting three-minute rounds. Yeah. Oh, well, we're not getting paid. Like, you're getting paid very good sums of money. Yeah. And uh, there's a reason you don't want three-minute rounds. And we saw it. I don't think that would have been a fun experience for a three-minute round. No, because, I mean, I'll say it here now. Um, I think Serrano won the fight. And I think it's been a bit... like I'd say the reaction to the scorecards has been very similar to uh, Fury Wilder 1 in where the consensus do agree that one person won but at the same time people almost made the case that like this couldn't be any other way and then with Wilder it was fairly clear like all right we take these two knockdowns into account and what he had to win two more rounds and then you had the first four were like nothing happened nothing was going on yeah and with this it was like if there's any issue with the cards it's that one judge gave Amanda Serrano three rounds yeah, that seems offensive. I thought the first round showed what Taylor could do yeah. because Serrano, and they made a reference to her footwear where they said... She ran trainers with yeah, you. and they said, oh, is that going to make her feet kind of slower walking around? And she looked a bit ploddy in the yeah. first round. Um, and then I guess as, as the fight went on, you had what the second round she started to get to her a bit more I, I actually gave Serrano the second round yeah see like, I think whereas some people have basically just said like the first four rounds were a, uh, first three rounds were a wash I thought at least one of those rounds was competitive so you'd have one of those in there yeah I had it 2-1 after three and, and then won't say which way <laughs> yeah I think yeah I, I don't think there was much I think I texted you during it saying I wouldn't want to be scoring it that it, those early rounds I was like again that's maybe where the two-minute rounds is hard. If it is a close fight like that, how do I separate? There wasn't a lot to separate them. And then the fourth round obviously happened. My thing is, I would say, and I'll have to look through like the cards on the app that I've done previously, that I'm fairly consistent in that I do appreciate the better boxing, but if that only equates to a couple of punches per Hmm. round, then does that weigh more than if the other person's landing like double the amount? And... When I was seeing this, the issue is that you have some judges and you have some like fans watching it where the one week, because their favourite is the one that's yeah. dancing around, yeah. they say, well, no, you've, you've got to score the the cleaner punches. And then the next week they'll be saying, well, what you've, what you've got to score is the output. Like, How can you judge it like this? Yeah, go for the aggressor yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. And so what I thought I saw in this case, and I'm not sure if the numbers would back it up I think the numbers were fairly close by the end but at least what it felt like when I was watching it and that's the only way you can score it is that Serrano was walking her down and she was missing more but I thought she was actually landing more as well she was working Taylor around the ring Uh, she was landing they weren't huge shots but with enough to be that she was kind of controlling the round and then Taylor would the the check hook was pretty much the only punch she was throwing in a lot of these rounds where she would step to the side and she would land a nicer shot um, 
And so I thought, can you win a round with, with just doing that? Because it wasn't like it was a harder shot than what Serrano was landing. No, that's um, it. I think part of it is that Katie Taylor is a pretty clear fan favourite. Like a lot of the people tuning in will have never seen Amanda Serrano previously. No, true. They'll be turned off by the fact that she's promoted by Jake Paul. <laughs> yeah. And even in saying this, I feel I don't want to be discrediting the fight because it was... I enjoyed the fight immensely. Yeah, yeah, like, you could not. I was a bit worried that Taylor was going to kind of distance herself from a rematch afterwards, which I never like when they ask it straight away because it's like... We've just done it. If the fight is honest and they're like, oh, we'll, we'll go back and see our options. Like, well, you're ducking, clearly. Yeah, yeah. But she was the one that actually called for it before Serrano, wasn't she? She said, we can do it again. Like, yeah, yeah. We can do it again. Yeah. So I think it was a very close fight. I had it 96-94 to Serrano. Um, I thought there was an argument as well that Serrano maybe played herself a little bit in the second half of the fight where she just started winging him where you kind of forgot what got you success and just thought, I'm just going to start coming forward in straight yeah. lines and, and winging, I which I thought there was still rounds of that that he said were close enough that she could have won it just doing that. But well, I saw people saying that it was almost consensus that Taylor won the last round when she she barely threw a shot until the last 10 seconds. And, and then it was them trading, wasn't it? Yeah. So it was, it was Pickham. Yeah, it, it is. It, it's, this sounds unfair, but there is, with a lot of people, no way of not having some level of bias in this. Just a little bit of... I would have probably had it with someone, I don't know, like yeah. a Floyd round where you think he was doing not yeah. a lot and someone might be winning. I might have had more bias of him winning that. But. It's very hard to not have a bias. And I can say, I mean, I, yeah. had, bet, I had a bet on Serrano by decision. Mm. So I, I was, I had some level of bias there, but I usually think that makes me more critical when I'll I'm... I'll normally score yeah. against them if I'm <laughs> yeah. in doubt. Yeah, absolutely. Because there was a couple where like, I could easily have had a draw on my card, but I I haven't watched it back. When I was watching it, I didn't feel like Taylor won it. I saw a lot of criticism for the commentary. The other thing, it was Serrano's style of fight. So she dragged Taylor into a fight she didn't want to be in. So there has to be some, I think, reflection of that in those rounds. That you think, whose pool was this in? It was in hers. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was, a, it was a good fight. Flew by. Yeah, the yeah, two yeah. of them didn't leave anything in the ring. Serrano handled herself about as well after the fight as you can. Yeah, very well. Um, Taylor, Taylor, the same. For for her though, that's what well, having Jake Paul is ideal because you can be classy and he can be well, the asshole and say she this said, is a robbery or whatever. So well, she said several times, and I've not hidden my Jake Paul thoughts on this podcast. <laughs> she she said several times before. People can say what they want about him. I'm making three times the amount of money I was making yep. since he's come around. This fight, I've been calling for it since before he was around and I couldn't get anywhere near this fight. And all of a sudden, we're headlining Madison Square Garden. There was quite a cool moment before the fight where they had the they came to the centre and Serrano kind of looked around and was like, can you believe this? And Taylor was trying to fight back a smile. Yeah, um, I, did, I did see that. I was, uh... He was very good. Even even with, and they won't like to admit it, although Hearn, to his credit, has said that he looks to the UFC previously. We've known for years that women can be a draw in yeah. fighting as long as the quality is there. And in this occasion, the quality is there. I've had people in the last months say, 
who wins Savannah Marshall against Clarissa Shields, which I was yeah. I didn't expect anyone to ever no. be asking me this. Um, and I remember that the few events that I got to cover from ringside, I couldn't believe the buzz there was for Katie Taylor's debut. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because that was really the first taste that we got of women's boxing at a high level in the, in this mm-hmm. country. I, I couldn't believe it. It was one of them where people were kind of pouring down. There was Irish fans trying to pour down f- into the ringside bit. And just if enough has come through, a few of us will get into the ringside bit. Yeah, yeah. And I had some blokes sat by me who definitely wasn't covering it as press that day. <laughs> he had an Irish flag around his shoulders for a start. <laughs> but yeah, to see where it's gone from there, something you can say with Katie Taylor, every time she finishes a fight, she does look like she genuinely couldn't throw another punch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, I think they'll probably one more. And if Taylor wins, then she'll say, see you later. I imagine so, yeah. If Serrano wins the next one, then they'll say, all right. Trilogy. I think you texted me about it after when they were doing all of the kind of Croke Park stuff afterwards. Mm. I mean, MSG was pretty perfect. It just seemed to work so perfectly, didn't it? I get the whole homecoming thing, but if if you wanted to be really, really overly cynical, you could run it back at MSG. If Katie does, you can have a homecoming against pretty much anyone and they'll sell Croke Park. We can also say that the whole she deserves a homecoming thing you have had opportunities to do this previously. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This isn't the first I, time you could have done it. And I've seen Irish people say, Katie Taylor could shadow box at Croke Park and we would sell the place out. That's it. Yeah, yeah. So if you want a home, you could do it against anyone. The Serrano one just seems to work well in MSG. It just seems to be the perfect alignment. Yeah, I mean, look, if you want to be cynical, there's a reason there hasn't been any boxing in Ireland as well, if you wanted to be yeah. overly um, cynical. But when, when they're going to be ready to do this fight, they're not doing a fight in an outdoor stadium in Ireland in November. Well, yeah, that's the other thing, isn't it? Timing. I don't, you know. And not that he couldn't do both at the same time. Jake Paul has just announced that he's fighting August 13th. So yeah. I don't think he's going to be going on a press tour for an event in Ireland. He's not going to be putting that. the energy in that he put into this, which was impressive. I, when I knew he was involved, I didn't realise he'd be as heavily involved as he was. It was I like what he's doing because he's got really no reason to. He doesn't I, have to do this. I actually think because there is going to be a point where he loses as uh, a boxer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, if he wants to do it, he's definitely got a future as a boxing promoter. Yeah. Because Hearn, Hearn wasn't doing what Jake Paul was doing at what, 24 years old, something like that? No, he's a, uh, you need the profile, well, which he, he's got more than anyone. Even with, there was little things like he was talking about like, Katie Taylor's amateur career. He was referencing the Olympics and he was referencing uh, like different backgrounds and fighting styles and he wasn't winging it. Like he's clearly done research and I do think... He knew more than Chris Mannix. Yeah, the, the reason that him and Logan Paul, etc., have got to where they are doing different things, like Logan Paul's just been at WrestleMania, is they're clearly those people that just won't half do something. Yeah, they go all and in. It's, yeah. And that's an admirable trait in that they will just go all in and do that. And so the fact that he's got to where he is, the fact that he's co-promoted this, because this wasn't all Hearn. And no. Hearn quite a few times tried to do the like sunning Jake Paul thing, like shitting on him as a fighter and this and that, when that wasn't what the event was about. But he, they did their job and they got eyes on it. And Yeah. Yeah, we'd be more than happy to see it again. Yeah, I actually thought the only thing I would say with the the build, they promoted it very really well. I thought they could have could have put the fighters forward a bit more. You had 
I get that her and Jay Paul are probably the biggest selling point of this as per- as personalities. Neither of these two women are going to go back and forth for each other. They both seem quite nice yeah. people. But you probably could have introduced their characters a little bit more. If I didn't know them, yeah. I wouldn't have known anything more than by the end of that fight, probably. The two promoters having a face-off before the biggest <laughs> women's event of all time was like, read the room here. Yeah, it felt odd, didn't it? But yeah, we got, we got there in the end. Um, on to the basketball that we've had. We're now in the second round of the playoffs. We just had a great game last night between uh, the Warriors and the Grizzlies. The I mean, now that the Nets are out, and we could probably speak on them, you don't really know what way this is going to go. The Suns shown, have shown vulnerabilities yep. in the opening round. You said when was Chris Paul going to get injured? It turns out it was Devin Booker that got <laughs> yeah. injured. Yeah, um, exactly. Right on cue, Joel Embiid did get injured. Yep. I mean, it, it, it's like the Wild Wild West. Like, so. Yeah, yeah. It's, the, uh, and as my suspicion was going in, the solid option is the Bucks. They're just solid doing their thing, even with a Middleton injury, which yeah. probably should have been, a, it didn't look too much of an issue against, it'd be interesting to see how the Celtics uh, respond. Uh, I thought that game last night with the uh, Golden State and the Grizzlies was great fun, but also felt like a bit of a dagger yeah. in the heart of Grizzlies. Friend of my Draymond missed half the game. They had opportunities to sort of see it out and didn't. Yeah, yeah. I think that's, that's going to be tough to come back from. Yeah, not great that I had Grizzlies in six in my bracket. <laughs> then you have the Sixers being the Heat as well. Yeah. That's going to be tough if Embiid is... Lowry and Butler are out as well, though. Mm. Um, he got that dog in him, though. I don't know if Philly yeah, got that dog no, in him. No, no. I definitely, <laughs> definitely question if James Harden has that dog in him. Harden, yeah. Um, it's been spoken about a lot in the last week. Do you think Ben Simmons was right to sit out of game three and four or not? Well, whoever's in charge of PR or whatever, you should never get out that I'm going to come back for game four. That was the mistake. Did you see Shannon Sharp speaking about that? Uh, not sure. He said, you, you get a lot of peer pressure in team sports. And he said, I can tell you exactly how this happened. There's been a week of people saying... You're going to be back for game three, aren't you, Ben? You're going to be back for game three, aren't you, Ben? You're back for game four, aren't you, Ben? And he said, at some point, Ben's just gone, yeah, 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 I should be. And then he's turned on the TV and seen Ben Simmons is going to be playing in game four. Oh, Christ. And then he said, he probably has done a workout. And he said, I don't know how he's strained his back. He's not done anything for God knows how long. <laughs> he said, and all of a sudden he's thought, you know what, maybe, <laughs> maybe I'm not, and then he's had to backtrack on it when they say, are you feeling pain? And he's well, yeah, I am actually. <laughs> Let's face it, you feel pretty confident he probably would have had some sort of involvement had Brooklyn won game three is the issue. And so it just looks like a guy that people question how much he wants it anyway, it looks like he spewed it because it was an elimination game, basically. It says a lot after, I can't think of a team to use as an example, but Celtics are a pretty nasty team to be, coming back into in that situation yeah. like I said to you maybe even said it last week if I'm the Celtics I'm battering him in the first minute oh he's yeah on. like the second he goes up goes up for just a layup he's getting wiped out yep if he's anything forward they're going to go right we're going to send you to the free throw line as well yeah, just mean, see there what... must be something with him and 
we do look at things differently as time goes on. But the fact that they kind of tried to bed him in where they brought him to on the bench when they played Philly and it was like, we're going to get this out of the way with now. He must have something where he's not reacting properly to these kind of situations because there's being careful and then there's being careful. Like usually you're careful to a certain extent then it's like, right, we're fed up of this now. Yeah, that's we're getting exa- you out there. Exactly. It. And they've, they've had a weird thing with him where you go, he's kind of missed all this time. You don't really know why. You think physically he can probably play. You can probably get in. And then they briefly tried opening the door to a mental health thing, but then kind of shut the door on that saying it's not really... Yeah. If, if there is, let's face it, in this day and age, they would say it's a mental health and everybody would just be yeah. off limits. You wouldn't be able to say anything. Because they didn't, you go, well, I don't think that's it. And you're like, well, what is this guy? It just looks like he's kind of happy to pick up his money and not play, which is probably... Look, yeah. For fans' point of view, the worst thing a yeah. player can do, really. Uh, do the Nets have a choice but to just keep it together the best they can for next year and go again? Because I thought Kyrie's comments were pretty like boneheaded in read the room here. When you're referencing, we're manage it. We're when, gonna... when he's referencing, like, I know the, the team hasn't had much chance to play together this year. Yeah. Like, Can't think why. Yeah, like, I know some of that's my fault. And it's like, the concern, yeah, the concern is that he thinks he can just carry on as he is. KD thinks it can carry on as it is, uh, and they can, they can just carry on and they're going to win. Which I think we've seen that isn't the case. The only thing is you either you do try and bomb Kyrie out of there, or you've got to just hope Ben Simmons comes back at his best, and you can you can do something. But you just question. I think they're a pretty great case study for what the limitations of what talent but not the right character can do because Kyrie and Ben Simmons have both shown themselves up in this whole series. Do you think um, Steve Nash will be the fall guy? Yeah, for sure. Because... Um, by the way, he's also not great either when you look... Well, go in... Go look in. at... Just look at any of those Celtics games. If one of those teams is so much better coach than the other, it's scary. Well, the start of the season is when Kyrie said they didn't need a coach. Well, that kind of undermines you from the jump, doesn't yeah. it, as well? And probably speaks as to why he was the guy selected yeah which Kyrie did say him and KD need to be on the same level as the GM moving forwards to that's what I mean when he said oh yeah. we're going to manage the franchise I was like Kyrie you're just showing you can't manage yourself how yeah. are you going to manage this um, and then coming up this weekend we've got UFC 274 Charles Oliveira Justin Gaethje in the main event won't spend too long on this just to run through a couple of main fights mm. if we start with that one there if I if I said you've got £500 now and you've got to put it on one of those two fighters which would it be going on at some point I'm going to stop backing against Oliveira yeah. I'm going to roll with Gaethje but I, I'm the opposite and it, it may be just because I, I love Gaethje that much where yeah. I'm seeing the flaws but I guess Oliveira's shown us in the last couple of fights that he can take a shot. Yeah, and he won't spew it, which everyone's sort of criticised him for saying he's got a quit in him. But I think well, he, you know, he as we've touched on, he could have quit against uh, Chandler and against uh, Dustin. Poirier. Yeah. Well, we kind of said that if someone was going to break him, it was going to be Poirier. Hmm. Yeah. Because if anything, Poirier's style is a lot more efficient than Gaethje's is. Yeah, true. And so we thought we'd find a way for him to get through it. 
and he struggled with that. So maybe the recklessness of Gaethje is going to be the way. Um, I think he said that even with his style, he was a bit too respectful of Khabib. And so I don't know if he'll, which way he'll go about this, but I feel like we saw Gaethje's defense obviously isn't too strong. <laughs> and I, I think Charles might just crack him early, to be honest. And yeah. I'm, I'm worried about that. I think you have to sell the fight, but Gaethje seems a little too confident in that I'm just going to get to him and he's going to crumble when... Yeah, at some point people are just going to stop assuming that with Oliveira. Yeah, because it plays into his favour. Oh, every time, yeah. I don't know exactly how it'll play out, but I don't know. Gaethje, unless it's just him pumping himself up, seems to read it as, well, look, I stuck it on Khabib and I'm going to stick it on you. And within Khabib, he was choked out in the first round. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I don't know. Um, I'll, I'm going to go Oliveira knockout is going to be my okay. pick. I'm going to say Gaethje stops him first two. I hope so. I really I do does. hope so. Um, Nama Yunus, Carla Esparza in chief support. Carla Esparza has a win over Rose, that's the main reason this fight's happening. Now, Rose has given, I think, four takedowns in her last two fights. Mm. Carla Esparza has the highest takedown success rate in the division. I think it'd be Tatiana Suarez if she wasn't permanently cropped. <laughs> so, it's interesting in that regard. I, I don't think it's going to be a barn burner. Um, and Esparza's tough as well, so I'm not sure Rose is just going to fold her because she's a lot more tight in like I don't think you're going to break her in that sense so I think it's going to be a cage I, I do think Rose will get the decision I think the commentary is going to be pretty sickening oh god yeah um, but yeah I think Rose gets the W there unfortunately yeah and then again what do you do with it after that because it's well yeah because Whaley Joanna's taking place and it's all well, the winner of that have both lost to her yeah. twice. Yeah, so... Um, I think there's enough people coming up. There's just not an obvious uh, contender there. No, that, that's the that's the problem with the like, numerous weight class in the UFC now. It's, they've ended up in that spot. Yeah. Um, you've got Michael Chandler, Tony Ferguson. I guess we're going to find out just how shot Tony Ferguson is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like hopefully Chandler doesn't come out and try and wrestle him because against uh, Oliveira and against uh, Makachev, it seemed... It wasn't Makachev, was it? It was Dariush. Yep. It just seemed his takedown defence had gone. So I, I don't know. Chandler does tend to... I'm only going to wrestle if you make me... And so his, we'll, his we'll, secret is really is just been coming out and swinging for the most part, hasn't it? Which yeah. is fun. So we'll we'll see how that goes. I sense usually when someone looks as shot as Tony Ferguson, they don't magically turn that around. Hard to, isn't it? Yeah, especially not off the back of a debilitating leg injury. I swear. So Chandler, I know you've got to you've got to say it either for the promotion of the fight or for your own sake of pumping uh, the opponent up. I think him saying like, yeah, I, I just see. Tony Ferguson is prime Tony Ferguson. I was like, come on, Michael, come on. Yeah. I mean, it'd be nice if it was, but... Oh, could you imagine? This would be yeah. an absolute bar burner. Um, 
Shogun who are against OSP. I, I don't really know why this is happening. <laughs> for the fans, Luke. For the fans. on the main card, um, Soroni Joe Lozon is another one where I'm not sure we need to see just how shot Soroni is. Um, he's just lost to Alex Morono by stoppage in the first round. Um, and Donald Cerrone doesn't have a win since May 2019. Yeah, at what point do you say enough's enough? It's mental that he got the McGregor fight after losing to Gaethje, to be quite honest with you. Mm, yeah. um, but since beating Eli Quinter in May of 2019, he's been stopped by Tony Ferguson, he's been stopped by Gaethje, He's been stopped by McGregor. He lost a decision to Pettis. He... It was eye pokes, wasn't it, against uh, Nico Price? Mm. No, originally a draw overturned after Price tested positive for marijuana. Yeah, that was a good fight, actually. Um, that was on... Coming to Woodley, I thought that was on a pay-per-view. Uh, and then knocked out by Alex Morono. So, <laughs> it's not looking great. No, I didn't... The slide as well and truly. Yeah. And I don't know how much he wants to fight anymore, to be honest with you. Like, he used to always say, like, I'm going to fight forever, blah, blah, blah. And Dana would do the, well, I'm probably going to be the one that's going to have to tell him eventually. Dana has referenced he doesn't think he should be carrying on fighting. Um, So I don't know. But, yeah, someone's got to have a word at some point, don't they? Because it's kind of sad, really. But then, like, at least he's against a veteran this time, like, Joe Lowe's on 37 years old. If you go, if he's going to carry on, this sort of thing probably makes more sense than putting him just with a young killer. Well, he, he just beaten Jonathan Pierce, but before that, and that was 2019, actually, <laughs> he was stopped by Chris Gritzmacher, who we've seen be stopped horribly. We, Clay Guida, he lost to Stevie Ray, he lost to Jim Miller, he lost to, like, and that's going back to 2017. Jesus. I think Cerrone probably does win here, but it's not going to be pretty. Let's see him win and just say, right, I'm calling it a day. This is the only way I'm going to go out on a W. Yeah, I'm not sure that's the case. No, exactly. I think he'll keep going if he gets the win, Christ. We've got minor Rory's boy, Chaos Williams, back on the undercard against uh, Randy Brown, which is a good fight, actually. Um, Brandon Royval match now. That's a fun fight. That's probably the one that's going to fall off the card. It always seems to be a flyweight one that just drops off yep. at the last minute. Uh, Blagoy Ivanov, there's no there's no need for him to be back. <laughs> Trinado, Danny Roberts, that's a fun fight. That's, it, that's not a bad card. Um, main event, obviously. Well, the top three are fun fights. Um, so we'll see where we go from there. But hopefully a fun one to tune into on Saturday night. Absolutely. So I think that just about does us. Thanks again. Is it Canelo Bivol this Saturday as well? Oh shit! <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I forgot something. Blow me. Um, that's literally just popped as my eyes. We were talking about the UFC. Yeah, I, I'd completely forgotten that. To be honest, oh, that's even worse. The uh, I know I'm going to be staying up late anyway when I'm getting an early coach, and I'm sure Canelo Bivol isn't going to be early. I have another one waiting for the UFC. The uh, the slander 
Jake Paul gave that fight. I think it does sum up a lot of Americans' thoughts on it, on what is actually a, a very good fight, but they would rather see Benavidez or Charlo in with Canelo. Brutal. Canelo decision? Yeah, I think, I think that's a, a decent shout. I'm a bit scarred, to be honest, after seeing um, Bivol's fight with Craig Richards. Yeah. Way seemingly just didn't want to pull the trigger. And so I feel like if you do that against Craig Richards at the O2, doing that against Canelo Alvarez, you're probably going to be more inclined to freeze up. And that's it. He's obviously significantly bigger man than Canelo, but Canelo has obviously shown he carries the power, and more so than Craig Richards probably can offer him. So if you're a bit gun shy against him, you can say Craig Richards is obviously a difficult style probably yeah. for a lot of people. Will Bivol take anything from the Kovalev fight? Potentially, and obviously he's much younger and fresher. He doesn't jab like Kovalev either. <laughs> no, he doesn't have quite as much power to keep Canelo honest, you would think. It is a really, I do think, of the fights Canelo could feasibly have gotten, if I accept that the Paterbia fight at the minute is yeah. not likely. And I think the cruiserweight thing was taught, but maybe not yet. Then I'd say this is probably the next hardest option he could have gone yeah, for, yeah. probably. I don't quite, there's lots of good fights for him, but I don't quite buy into, I've said, never quite got Benavidez thing. And a few other things. So I think this is kind of to be admired because it's probably the opposite of a money fight. And he's not a big name he's going to get, but he's is a tough test. So you got to give credit to him. Yeah, I think the atmosphere, whenever they mention that Bibble's Russian, is going to be pretty grim on Saturday. I prefer they did. We know the score. Yeah. He's probably not... Uh, He's probably not contemplated uh, Russian foreign policy too much. No, exactly. Um, but that's just how I imagine it'll go. But we'll speak about the fight once this happens and uh, the next fights for both next week. So thank you again for tuning in. We'll be back on Friday with Movie Madness. We've got seven against Beverly Hills Cop. So see you then. Adios.